0: And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On October 4th, 1994, the dead bodies of two Solar Temple cult members and their baby are found in Marin Heights, Quebec. All three have been stabbed to death. The baby has had a wooden dagger run through its heart in an obvious ritual killing. Later that night, a little before midnight, residents of the small Swiss village of Cherie noticed that a fire had started in the La Charette farm at the heights around the village, a farm owned by the temple. Twenty-three bodies are found, bodies wearing knight's Templar robes. Another 25 cult members' bodies are found in Savan, including the bodies of the two leaders, Joseph de and Dr. Luc Jure. Over a year later, late in the evening of December 15th, 1995, 16 more solar temple members die in another mass suicide, their bodies discovered in a star formation in the mountains of France. On the morning of March 23rd, 1997, Five more temple members took their own lives in San Casimir, Quebec, right after setting their home on fire. Why? Why did all this happen? Why did the members of the Order of the Solar Temple feel the need to die? What did they think their deaths would accomplish? What did this cult even believe in? How did this cult get started? Who were Joseph DiMombro and Dr. Luke Jure? All this and more explored on today's secret cult edition, so many secrets, of Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday, Meat Sacks. Hail Nimrod. Hail Lucifina. Praise sweet good boy Bojangles. I'm Dan Cummins. Suck nasty. Grandmaster suck. He who sucks a lot. And you are listening to Time Suck. Thank you again to our Space Lizards for supporting the show via Patreon and for letting us donate $1,800 this month to BACA, Bikers Against Child Abuse, revealing the next charity next week. Who's going to get even a little more? Uh, Link in the episode description if you want to donate to BACA or just learn more about this wonderful organization that does so much for the victims of child, physical, and or sexual abuse. Uh, Today's Time Stuck is brought to you by the Thrilling Adventure Hour podcast. If you enjoy podcasts that transport you to another world that sound like little movies inside your headphones, allow me to recommend The Thrilling Adventure Hour Treasury. Uh, Based on the long-running stage show in the style of old-time radio, The Thrilling Adventure Hour Treasury features fantastic storytelling, biting wordplay, cinematic sound design, and some of the most beloved characters in the podcast universe. Characters like Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars... An American cowboy who roams the deserts and saloons of the red planet, uh, bringing alien outlaws to justice. Frank and Sadie Doyle, fast-talking, hard-drinking, married mediums who see ghosts solve mysteries and never turn down a martini. I bet they know Woody. I bet they do. Uh, Colonel Tick-Tock, the bushy mustachio, time-traveling defender of the of historical continuity. Uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour stars Paul F. Tompkins, Padgett Brewster, Mark Evan Jackson, Craig Kikowski, uh Janet Varney. Uh, Annie Savage, Hal Lublin, Mark Gagliardi, and a variety of guest stars from the worlds of film and television. Subscribe to the Thrilling Adventure Hour Treasury on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast app for brand new episodes every month and bonus episodes from The Vault. Uh, Thank you again for the ratings and reviews, especially on iTunes. Keeping us in the charts. Uh, Nothing spreads the suck more than word of mouth, and the suck is spreading Uh, along with the suck. Heading to Florida this week. Going to be at the Off the Hook Comedy Club in Naples on Thursday night, March 28th. Join me. First time in Naples. Let's make it fun. Uh, And then two shows of the Miami Improv on Saturday, March 30th. Come on out, suckers. Let's have some fun in Florida. Then it will be in Cleveland, Ohio, April 4th through the 6th. Another live Ant Hill Kids uh, cult suck in Cleveland on April 6th. Lindsey will be there, too. I mean, if you like cults, if you like this episode, you will like that uh, story as well. Axis Apparel will also be there. They'll be in Cleveland for the live suck for a special, li- uh, special limited edition uh, on-site printing. Uh, they have some contraption. They have a contraption of sorts that prints clothing of various fibers and uh, and you know other things that mean clothes. And it's going to be fun. They're. Gonna, I don't even know what it's going to look like yet, but I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see how it works. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa, one night only on April 11th, Kansas City, Missouri, two nights, April 12th and 13th, back to Nashville, going to be part of the Nashville Comedy Festival, bringing the live Ant Hill Kids' Time Suck to Zanies, one show only. And then on to the Texas Theater in Dallas on April 26th, The Secret Show, uh, sorry, The Secret Group, so many secrets today, uh, The Secret Group in Houston on the 27th, uh, that show's almost sold out, so we've added a second or are in the process of adding a second show. Uh, tickets should be available to that very soon. Uh, if you want to go to the early show, get, get those last few tickets now. And then San Francisco, Boston, Spokane, Jacksonville, and so much more. Uh, ticket info for the entire 2019 Happy Murder Stand-Up Tour available at I uh, Got some new stickers in the store today. Hot off the sticker machine presses. One for $5, three for 12 There's a Blue Time Suck Podcast bumper sticker, a Seek Truth bumper sticker, and a Kick-Ass Lizard Illuminati Looking sticker. All made out of monoatomic, platinum, Komodo dragon teeth, and the sexiest of sexy bananas. Only the sexiest bananas for these stickers. Uh, really cool designs for those of you who want to slap the suck on your car, truck, dump truck, helicopter, iPad, computer, bicycle, tricycle, unicycle, skateboard, hoverboard, hovercraft, sword hilt, gun holster, Roman shield, or your parents' foreheads, dead or alive. Now, let's take the cult of the curious right into another cult. That is, I guess, also curious and much more insane. The Order of the Solar Temple. Uh, digging into today's story, I, I wonder why do some doomsday cults become much more well-known than others? Uh, over 70 members of the Order of the Solar Temple would die from either suicide or, or be murdered by other cult members including the brutal uh, ritual stabbing of an infant that I mentioned earlier. Uh, If if a cult-ordered murder of a baby isn't worthy of sensational headlines, uh, I don't know what is. Compare this to 39 people who died in the Heaven's Gate mass suicide, the cult we discussed back in Suck 54. Both cults had uh, members take their lives in the mid to late 90s. One cult, at least in America, is far more widely known. Uh, In October of 1994, you know, over 50 members of the Solar Temple in Canada and Switzerland died. The Heaven's Gate members lost just under 40 in March, uh, 40 members, you know, or the Heaven's Gate cult, excuse me, lost just under 40 members in, in March of 1997. And I've just heard way more about Heaven's Gate than I ever had, uh, I've ever heard about the Solar Temple cult. Uh, and again, why? I think some of it might be the name. Uh, you can't under- underestimate the marketing power of a good name. Like, uh, like if Starbucks wasn't named Starbucks. What if it was called like uh, Johnny Dingle's Coffee Circus? Do you really think it would be as popular? I don't. Want to meet up at Johnny Dingle's? Want to grab a a Biggie Cherries and Cream Dingle Chino at Johnny Dingle's Coffee Circus? No, of course not. At least not maybe as often. I mean, one time would be pretty funny. Uh, Heaven's Gate for me is a little catchier moniker than Order of the Solar Temple. Order of the Solar Temple sounds uh, boring to me. Uh, It also sounds too new agey. And for many of us Americans, uh, new agey things are more confusing than like UFO lore or Judeo-Christian based kind of belief systems. You know, the makings of Heaven's Gate, uh, Order of the Solar Temple sounds like a, like a place where uh, a bunch of trust funders would meet and sit on yoga mats and drink organic teas. Uh, sounds like a room like like organic teas with pretentious names. You know, you know, uh, <laughs> Asian dreams or just like weird shit. You know. Crystal, crystal vibrations. Uh, it sounds like a room full of crystals somewhere around Mount Shasta, California or Sedona, Arizona. Room full of people talking in NPR monotone whispers about opening chakras or, or being more receptive to light. Patchouli covered vegans discussing some new recipe for some soy and lentil and beet salad or some shit. Uh, I'm sure the lack of the solar temples notoriety for me is also partly due to Heaven's Gate suicides taking place in the United States. Whereas the solar temple deaths took place in Canada, Switzerland, and France. Uh, I feel like we Americans tend to love stories more when they are uh, more connected to us and have taken place closer to us. But I also think there's more to it than that. Uh, I I think the main reason I've heard far more about the Heaven's Gate uh, cult than the solar temple cult is because the Heaven's Gate narrative appears at first glance at least to be simpler simpler. A lot simpler and sexier. It's a story built for the masses, right? Like, weirdo convinces other weirdos to all dress up in matching outfits and kill themselves so they can board the same spaceship. Pretty straightforward. I'm interested. Sounds fun. Uh, Marshall Applewhite, you know, a.k.a. Bo, a.k.a. Doe and his crew were trying to hop on a spaceship. Weird, insane, completely ludicrous, but I get it. You know, Heaven's Gate members thought a spaceship was traveling behind the comet Hale-Bopp, which was coming as close to Earth as it would come for many, many years, and they believed that one of their two co-founders, Bonnie Nettles, aka Peep, aka T, you know, a, a woman who had shed her mortal skin over a decade back, was on board the ship. They thought hopping aboard the spaceship would allow them to live forever together and travel the galaxy as part of Space Jesus's special heaven crew. <laughs> cool story, cool nicknames. I am for sure in. You now the Heaven's Gators. They thought uh, Earth was about to be recycled, aka renewed, refurbished, rejuvenated, and the only chance to survive this cleansing was to leave our planet. They believed to be eligible for membership in the next level, humans would have to shed every attachment to the planet. They thought evil aliens had corrupted humanity, including all religion. They believed that Jesus was essentially another kind of alien and that aliens planted the seeds of current humanity uh, millions of years ago. That they were now coming back to reap the harvest of their work in the form of spiritually evolved individuals who, who would join the ranks of flying saucer crews. Only a select few members of humanity would be chosen to advance to this transhuman state, and they were those chosen few. Exciting. Taking a ride on space, Jesus' spaceship, because you're one of the most evolved humans that Earth has ever seen, right? Cool as shit. Totally fucking crazy. But it makes for a nice, easy-to-understand story. Some people believe that God was alien. God created life on Earth as an experiment and as a test that most of humanity failed to test. God was going to end the current test, start over. Only a few people had passed, the Heaven's Gate people, and they get to move on to the next video game level. And to get on that spaceship, right, there were some cool uh, extra details, right? You had to have a matching tracksuit on. You had to have 575 in your pocket. Because for some reason, alien God has given human spirits the ability to travel through fucking space and catch spaceships, but only when the spaceships are within a certain distance from Earth and only if they have the right space fare. Right? Come on. Come on, people. What, What, you think your spirit can catch a spaceship when it's like two galaxies away? Get the fuck out of here. That's not how alien God set up spirit travel. Duh. He's not all powerful. He's just mostly powerful. Um, But with the order of the solar temple, you have to dig a bit deeper to understand it, right? It's not as straightforward. And I know you might be thinking, that didn't sound all that straightforward. Comparatively, Heaven's Gate, much more straightforward. Uh, Solar temple, much more convoluted on the surface. The solar temple beliefs are messier and their deaths were messier, right? More violent. A baby was involved, no matching tracksuits, no change. Is that why I didn't get the same press? I don't know. I mean, Charles Manson and the Manson family murders, fucking super messy, super, super violent. Uh, Also super memorable. Got tons of press. We heard a lot about the Manson murders and about Charlie himself. Why did we hear more about them? Probably because Manson, uh, that story involved celebrities. We love celebrity gossip as a culture. And maybe because Charles Manson lived and provided like America with a, and I guess the rest of the world, with a fascinating, insane, and strangely charismatic media personality. Right, the prison gibberish he would dispense via numerous interviews, very entertaining. The Solar Temple does not have a Manson equivalent. Neither of their two leaders were nearly as outlandish in appearance or actions as Manson. No swastikas carved in any foreheads. No delusions of rock and roll stardom. Never lived with any Beach Boys. And you know Manson could be kind of funny. Uh, these guys not funny. Um, but I do think their actual story is just as interesting as the Manson family or as the you know Heaven's Gate story. Uh, I hope you agree by the end of this tale. And if you made it this far, I, I know you're at least curious. After soaking in the glow of the solar temple for over a week, got a head start on this suck, I think I do understand these wackadoodles as much as one can who, who doesn't share their belief system. The story is a hell of a tale. Every bit as fascinating to me as, as these others. Uh, and the story of the order of the solar cult revolves mainly around the lives of two men. So let's talk about these two Fruit Loops before we jump into the timeline uh, of the development of their actual cult. The main man behind the order of the solar temple is one Joseph de Mombro, uh Joey Mambo, Joey Cuckoo, Joey Wackadoodle. Uh the other is, is Dr. Luc Joray. Uh since Joseph is the first and I think most important founder, let's let's start with him. Then on to Dr. Luke, then on to the timeline. Does that sound good, Meat Sacks? Is that sound, okay? Good? Let's do it. Uh, let's find out how many French names I can absolutely butcher today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joseph was born in uh, pont saint Esprit, in the French Department of Gare in southern France on August 19th, 1924. This is a town I thought I talked about in the MK Ultra Suck way back, but my notes say I did not. I definitely read about it that week, though. A small town of roughly 10,000, less than 5,000 in the mid-20th century, known amongst diehard LSD and conspiracy enthusiasts for an outbreak of mass hallucinations in August of 1951 uh, when he was uh, living there. August 15th, roughly 250 people in this town lost their fucking minds. Over 50 would be committed to asylums. Some blame the CIA and their Project MK Ultra mind control experiments we talked about in bonus suck, eight, uh, suck 8, excuse me. Historians tend to blame St. Anthony's fire, aka ergot poisoning or ergotism. That's something we talked about way back in the Salem witch trials, bonus Suck 9. Uh, ergot is a fungal disease, the result of a mold that grows on grain, often rye bread. And ingesting too much of it can cause extremely powerful hallucinations um, uh, amongst a plethora of of other less fun symptoms. Uh, LSD, a.k.a. the uh, hallucinogenic drug acid, chemically derived from ergot. Uh, And I just love that. I just include this because I love that the the main mind behind today's cult, which has mythology seemingly invented by someone in the midst of a powerful uh, hallucination, was born in a town mostly known for people experiencing a powerful group hallucination. Uh, At the age of 16, after we can assume uh, what was a fairly normal childhood, since nothing has ever been written to the contrary, Joseph began an apprenticeship as a watchmaker and jeweler, very soon became fascinated with esotericism, a term that has a lot of complex definitions, but is best summed up as believing that there is secret knowledge in our world reserved for a small group of truth seekers. Yeah, and he got into this in his late teens. This was uh, becoming very popular at the time in certain places in Europe, especially France and Switzerland. Uh, And today's suck is full of esotericism, full of so much secret knowledge hunting. Uh, Esotericism is the belief system that continues to fuel interest in shows like the History Channels, The Curse of Oak Island, right? If those treasure seekers dig far enough, they just might find the Ark of the Covenant. And if they can find that, they can unleash a mystical power unlike anything the world has seen in recent years because the Ark is magical. And why does esotericism even exist? Why do people actually think there is even a remote possibility that some powerful secret artifact could even be real, let alone buried in a place like Oak Island, well, because people fucking love magic. People love a believe in powerful secrets, And right? If you can just find that Excalibur, you can be king. Uh, you know, that, that type of mythology uh, feeds the same human desire I think is like a get-rich-quick scheme's. Uh, I think it's part of the, the same kind of motivation why you like people buy lottery tickets, right? There's there's secret, powerful information out there. There's, there's winning numbers out there. If you can just find them, if you can guess what they are, you can change your life substantially and have anything you've ever wanted. I get it. It's a fun fantasy to live in. Uh, we see people become rich every year now, you know, uh, through instantaneous social media fame or, you know, athletic uh, giant contracts. It's aspirational, fuels our own dreams of achieving the same level of success. We know it's possible. We see it. And esotericism trumps even those tales. Like, fuck hitting the lottery. It's way bigger than that. What if you could find hidden knowledge that would allow you to have preposterous wealth and rule the world and maybe, like, move on to live in another dimension? All kinds of whatever. In, in, insane, fantastical, magical shit. You know, you can live as a god, all kinds of stuff. The, you know, the, there's no limit to what can happen with this belief system. In, in January of 1956, now 32-year-old Joseph joins the ancient and mystical order Rosicrucius, A-M-O-R-C, to which he would belong uh, uh, for at least a dozen years until 1968 to this first order. Uh, In the 1960s, through this organization, he would establish important links with several people who would later play crucial roles in the order of the solar temple. People like Jacques Breyer, the man responsible for a Templar resurgence in France in 1952, starting in 1952, Uh, Templar Referring to, of course, the Knights Templar. Uh, Joseph Colt, uh, his, his cult would incorporate a lot of elements of Rosicrucius mythology. So let's talk about the AMORC, uh, also known as the Rosicrucian Order. If you, can, if you can understand Rosicrucianism, you can understand the Order of the Solar Temple because it, it borrows a lot from Rosicrucian uh, mythology. Uh, This is a group that's still around today, by the way. You can check out their website, amorc.org, if you would like some good additional laughs. Here's how they describe themselves. Through our teachings, you will gain specific knowledge of metaphysics, mysticism, philosophy, psychology, parapsychology, and science not taught by conventional educational systems or traditional religions. Imagine setting a new course for your future. One that promises to be more in line with who you really are and more fulfilling than anything you've previously experienced. Sounds fantastic. I bet my life their teachings include lessons and shit like Manifesting Your Destiny, Astral Projection, Time Travel. Um, They also seem to sell all kinds of cool robes and fancy cult clothes on their website. Seriously, Uh, the robes are a nice touch, man. I mean, without a robe, are you even fucking culting, bro? Bro, do you even cult? get some rose, bro. Go cult or go home. Uh, The name of this group comes from the order symbol, a rose on a cross. Uh, Rosicrucian teachings are a combination of occultism. Uh, Occultism encompasses various theories and practices involving a belief in the use of supernatural forces or beings and other religious beliefs and practices. Uh, It also uh, involves uh, hermeticism. Hermeticism encompasses uh, alchemy, astrology, uh, theosophy, Jewish uh, Jewish mysticism, more belief, basically, in ancient magic and secrets. This time, based on early secret knowledge, you know that prophets like Moses and Abraham supposedly had. Uh, involves Christian no, uh, Gnosticism. Various theologians assign all kinds of definitions to uh, Christian Gnosticism. It's been around since the beginnings of Christianity, and basically, it's about more secret mystical knowledge. This time, the secrets are coming from Christian New Testament characters. So, essentially. Uh, Rosicrucians fucking love secrets. So many secrets. They love secret knowledge, secret knowledge. And they think they have all the secrets. They think they have all that knowledge and they will share it with you. If you pay a lot of money and dues and if you buy enough robes and you learn all their secret handshakes and memorize the right rituals, secret rituals, they're similar in structure to Scientology. Uh, I'm sure that L. Ron Hubbard uh, was very familiar with groups like the uh, Rosicrucian Orders when he came up with Scientology. And, and the central feature of uh, Rosicrucianism is the belief that its members and only its members possess the most important secret wisdom and that that wisdom has been handed down, uh, you know, generation after generation after generation. And it goes all the way back to the beginnings of humanity, all the way back to like very ancient times. You know, that they're they're the group that's been around forever. And the passing and gaining of this knowledge involves, again, rituals, robes, chants, other spooky shit, you know, that sends other people who believe in theological beliefs that are equally unprovable into a fucking panic if you look on the internet, right? It must be the devil. And according to Rosicrucian history, the modern order of their group was founded by a dude named Christian uh, Rosenkreutz in Europe at the dawn of the 15th century. However, most historians, including virtually all historians who are not themselves Rosicrucian, Do not think this dude ever existed. Uh, He's as much of an important historical figure, a real historical figure, as Santa Claus or Pinocchio. Uh, Christian is a literary character, uh, very likely invented by a man thought to author the book he appeared in, a 17th century German theologian named Johann Valentinus Andre. Johann uh, wrote a book called The Chemical Wedding of Christian Rosenkreuz, published in 1616, a tale about Christian being invited to go to a, a wonderful castle. Full of miracles in order to assist the king and the queen in some sort of magical wedding. More magic, more secret knowledge, sacred knowledge, all wrapped up in a cool castle, Sacred castle. Sounds awesome. 13-year-old me would love for this story to be real uh, so I could find out about all the secrets and I could dominate. And, and then even more is written about this Christian fella. He supposedly visited the Middle East, North Africa in search of more secret wisdom, found it, brought it back to Germany. Organized the Rosicrucian Order in 1403, he erected a magical sanctuary in 1409 where he was entombed after his death. In 1484, if I can live a long time, ago. and then this tomb was allegedly found 120 years later and became the occasion for the public announcement of this new orders. Well, of not new of the orders existence. It's been existing in secret. Now it's now it's public. Anyways, in the 17th century, Rosicrucianism becomes very popular in Europe in the same way that Freemasons became popular. And on a small scale, uh, the Illuminati and various other small secretive groups that would briefly attract members. Uh, Rosicrucianism attracted a lot of free thinkers, including possibly Sir Francis Bacon, that influential English lord and philosopher who helped develop the modern scientific method. Uh, why would someone like him uh, join a group like uh, like the Rosicrucian order? Well, because he was curious. Same reason a lot of other curious intellectuals join groups like this. A lot of people love a secret clubhouse. Secret clubhouse. I'm one of them. Right? Part of why I thought the space lizards. I want to take uh, space lizard rituals further as well. Why not? Secret space lizards. Uh, fun to have a group of like minded people who know the same references you do. It's good for like networking, you know, and make helpful career connections, make new friends, feel superior to the general public. A lot of benefits. And like the Freemasons, a similar group we discussed at length in Bonus Suck 15 and in Suck 69, uh, Rosicrucianism connected itself to ancient Egypt and its symbolism and its rituals, claims that its secrets go back to Egypt and beyond. And the Rosicrucians also connected themselves very strongly to the Knights Templar, another group we devoted two episodes uh, to, uh, Suck 92 and Bonus Suck 23. If you'll recall, the Knights Templar, that's that military order of the Catholic Church born out of the Crusades, founded in the 12th century, created essentially to defend Jerusalem from Muslim armies so Christians could visit important religious sites, right, for pilgrims. And then it expanded into a number of fortresses that connected the Middle Eastern Holy Lands to Europe. Then it founded and maintained banks along the route to uh, the Middle East. Uh, So some dude from France didn't have to carry a shit ton of treasure and money from Paris to Jerusalem and protect it from bandits. And the knights became very important to Rome. They brought in a lot of money. They were were good fortress defenders. Uh, They only let elite warriors join their order, at least initially. They were fierce fighters in various crusade battles. Uh, Their order from banking became phenomenally wealthy became uh, more powerful in Catholic Europe than uh, than many nations. They bankrolled empires. And then by the 14th century, the Muslims kicked their fucking asses, beat them right out of the Holy Land, which created a small problem for the group in Europe. If their entire existence was predicated on them protecting the Holy Land for Christians, and now they had been beaten out of the Holy Land, why were they still around? Well, they were still around for a little while because they had a lot of money. But then a few years later, the Templars denied King Philip IV of France a loan that he wanted. That pissed him off. And then with public sentiment no longer in favor of the group after they'd lost the Holy Land, he just arrested the group's members on a bunch of trumped-up charges, tortured them into false confessions about devil worship and all kinds of other weird shit, and then he killed them. Case closed, right? Nope. Because the Templars were powerful, because they had secret rituals, or at least were secretive about many of their organizational practices, uh, because they were heavily involved in in the Holy Land, the Crusades, Uh, that they were definitely very wealthy and powerful. Rumors have been abounding about them ever since, right? So many fucking secrets. And groups like the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons uh, later adopted certain Templar rituals to make themselves feel more magical. And the Rosicrucians laid claim to actually being the Templars, which I think is hilarious. Like the Templars weren't magical enough when they for sure existed to keep the Muslims from beating their asses, right? They lost, they lost. But now their knowledge gives one the power to do all kinds of shit, including becoming powerful enough to like rule the world. Get the fuck out of here. If they weren't powerful enough then, why would they be powerful enough now? Um, So anyway, refocusing all this on Joseph's Rosicrucians, these guys believed that that, that a lot of secret magic existed in Egypt and the Holy Lands, magic knowledge that was super duper powerful, magical items like the Ark of the Covenant, the Shroud of Turin, the Holy Grail, the Knights Templars knew about magic. And years after they were defeated, fanciful uh, authors and medieval conspiracy theorists and imaginative theologians decided that they actually weren't defeated. They just made it seem like that, right? They didn't They didn't go away. They just went underground. So Surprise, motherfuckers. They were hiding the whole time. All part of the plan. Let the Muslims seem like they're winning. Ha <laughs> ha! Joke's on you guys for looking like you're winning, running everything. Uh, nope. They just decided to wait. They're going to kick everyone's ass later. It's what God wanted. It's mysterious ways, Okay. They still have all the secret powerful knowledge, still reserved for a few chosen few. They had so much power the whole time, and they just, they didn't feel like using it. It wasn't part of the plan. They just, they, listen, they wanted to run shit from the shadows, right? Ha <laughs> So gotcha, dummy! Thought they weren't all powerful. Nah, man. They were running shit forever. Uh, okay, so I know that was all a bit lengthy. But it's important to understand that there have been a lot of groups over the centuries who have believed in this secret ancient knowledge reserved for the. Uh, Joseph didn't just make all this shit up; he built upon a long-standing tradition when he formed his cult. And a lot of people still believe in this stuff, right? There's still secret orders who think that they can do the right fucking chance and conjure certain things into existence. Uh, that's you know, it, it, and a lot of people, also more people, believe that these groups are around, even when they're not, right? So that's the whole Illuminati conspiracy. Powerful people ruling the elite from the shadows, you know, uh, thanks to otherworldly powers given to them by some mysterious source. You know, that source can be Satan, uh, can be the Knights Templars, can be some other demonic character, Baphomet, can be uh, just, you know, the Egyptian knowledge, could be Nimrod, hail Nimrod, could be Luciferina, praise Luciferina. Maybe Bojangles has all the answers, right? Hail hail Bojangles. You get it. And Joseph de is immersed in this world of rituals, immersed in these ties to ancient groups. Uh, he creates the beginnings of his, of his solar temple doctrines during the 1960s while he's a Rosicrucian, Rosicrucian. He meets the first of who will later be his inner circle of disciples at this time, travels to Israel around 1970, 1971, Spends some time in the Holy land. Gotta, gotta build that backstory. Gotta get some cult leader legitimacy. Uh, he also deals with some legal problems in France in 1971 related to swindling, uh, and writing bad checks. That was the phrase I found in various sources. Swindling. He was a swindler. Uh, membership in secret, uh, loving, uh, ritualized societies and swindling and writing bad checks. That's what a true con artist does, right? That, that this dude was clearly on his way to becoming a cult leader. By 1972, DeMombrough has set himself up in en masse near the Swiss border. He's made further preparations for his own organization where he gets to be in charge. Uh, 1973 becomes president of these, of the center for the preparation of the new age, which was presented as a cultural center for relaxation and a yoga school and also sounds culty as fuck. Uh, you're not just working on relaxation and stretching techniques at a place called the Center for the Preparation of the New Age. You're preparing for some fantastical shift in consciousness, you know? You think you're more woke than the rest of us. You're fucking crazy. And that's also something he added. See, it's such a mix of different things. There was all the Knights Templar kind of stuff, all the Freemasonry kind of ritual stuff. And then he also brings in a lot of new age beliefs, which were super popular. A lot of like, uh, you know, take care of the environment. A lot of things that were, you know, good. Take care of the environment. Uh, you know, meditate, focus on your inner peace. He just, you know, a- anything that's popular, anything that has rituals, um, he just starts kind of bringing in and combining into his belief system. Uh, the center becomes a full-time job for for Joseph by 1976. That same year, eight people, seven of whom already resided at a common address, form a communal society, Purchase a house named The Pyramid with Joseph just outside of Geneva, Switzerland, right? Communal living now, one step closer to true cult life. If I buy a bunch of land and start asking you guys to live with me, you know that we've gotten a lot closer to having a real not fucking around cult. And it's only a matter of time after that before I tell you that, uh, you know, you need to have sex with me It's part of God's plan or that maybe I'm God or maybe the the world's ending soon and I, and I, and I know how to take you with me to the next phase of existence, which if I interpret Nimrod's will correctly, involves a lot of fucking, right? We can't get to the next phase if I don't stick my ween in a lot of your holes. It always comes back to sex, uh, specifically to—almost always. Specifically to dudes wanting to put their dicks in lots of different holes. Those are the rules. Those are the cult rules. Joseph will get there soon. Uh, Now I'm back. Of the eight pyramid people, four would later lose their lives in October 1994, you know, when the order would would, would move to the next spiritual phase of their existence— Uh, DiMombro also created the Temple of the Great White Universal Lodge uh, construction finishing on June 24th, 1976. He's got the Pyramid Sub Lodge. He's got all these different names and fucking buildings and weird shit. How did he fund these projects? Uh, Donations from members. Uh, He's swindling. He did some swindling. A little bit of swindling. Uh, he He basically does have a cult now. He maybe hasn't started telling people that he's God uh, uh, incarnate yet, or that God speaks directly to him, or, you know, hasn't quite started banging other members, but for sure has a quote. On July 12th, 1978, uh Dimambro creates the Golden Way Foundation in Geneva. This foundation would remain at the very heart of his activities uh, for years. Uh, thanks to the substantial financial sacrifices made by several members, this foundation buys an attractive property in a suburb of Geneva, uh, this is a site of meetings open to non-members, got to impress non-members, get, sneak them in, get them to want to be part of the commune and the cult. Uh, this property is supposedly the site of an ancient Templar command post. Of course it is. You got to build that mythology. Uh, the Golden Way Foundation, mostly a front for a nucleus of people uh, simply called the Fraternity, who now are taking part in esoteric rites in a communi- uh, communal setting. He's deepening his mythology. coming up with new organizations, getting people to follow him farther down his weird rabbit hole, exploring more and more esoteric beliefs, learning more secret knowledge, getting cooler robes. Probably has a scepter by now. Uh, Definitely wearing an amulet. People belonging to the fraternity, uh, they hold their assets in common. It's true communal living now. These are the inner circle. Other people could live on the golden way and be part of what was called the community. Right, These are people who wanted to live on the compound, but not necessarily, they weren't like quite ready to to give them everything. They still held their assets. So they they could like rent to live there. They could pay rent to live on the compound. They got to keep their income. Uh, They would buy tickets for food and beverages, like like dipping their toes in the water. And if this all sounds insane, remember that this is the 70s. In the context of the 70s, the Golden Way was one attempt amongst many at developing a compound, like a, like a, a communal life compound. Not a coincidence that Jim Jones developed his people temple in Jonestown that decade. Also in the 70s, uh, Joseph joined a group called the Renewed Order of the Temple, right? He has his own compound, his own commune, also a member of another Rosicrucian order. He's got to learn more rituals, got to learn more secrets, ritual secrets. Uh, The Renewed Order of the Temple was uh, one of roughly 30 different groups in just France and Switzerland alone operating at that time that all claimed to be the true spiritual descendants of the Knights Templar. Man, people were fucking obsessed with the Knights Templar. A lot of different weird, esoteric, New Age shit is going on in France and Switzerland in the 70s. Uh, It was in this group that he would meet future Order of the Temple co-leader, essentially, Luc Jure. And and we'll learn more about DeMombro in today's timeline. Let's learn more about Dr. Luc Jure right now. This is the other main guy. Uh, Luc Jure, born in the Belgian Congo in Africa— on October 18th, 1947, born in the city of uh, Kikwit, uh, capital of the Kwilu uh, province, city of about 400,000 today. Fear of violence against Belgian citizens at the time of decolonization persuaded his parents to settle back in their home country of Belgium early in Luke's childhood, where he, also by uh, virtue of uh, of nothing being written to the contrary, seemed to have a normal childhood. Later interviews with family and former friends said he was well-liked, uh, even popular, good-looking, athletic. Uh, intelligent, solid student. He later studied to become a medical doctor, uh, earned his medical uh, doctorate from the University of Brussels in 1974 at the age of 27. Uh, Also gained a little attention from Belgian authorities while in school for becoming a member of a a small uh, communist group known as the Walloon Communist Youth, earned himself a little government uh, file folder, somebody to keep an eye on. They weren't too worried about him now. They let him uh, join the military. After medical school, he enlisted as a paratrooper, took part in the... uh, Uh, Colwesi raid of 1978, where Belgian troops um, brought back uh, a group of fellow citizens who were being threatened in Zaire. According to a former colleague, Luke enlisted in the army primarily to, quote, infiltrate the army with communist ideas. He reportedly told another friend that he hoped communism would clean out the army. Uh, After a few years of service, Luke practiced uh, traditional medicine for three years, uh, working as, as a surgeon, general practitioner, and obstetrician. Uh, Then dissatisfied by traditional medicine, he began to study homeopathic medicine and became a registered homeopathic practitioner in France. Now, homeopathy, this is an alternative medical system based on the belief that the body can cure itself. Those who practice it use tiny amounts of natural substances like plants and minerals. Uh, They believe that these can stimulate the healing process. Uh, Excuse me, it was developed in Germany in the late 18th century. It's always been more popular in Europe than in the States. Uh, a basic belief behind homeopathy uh, is like cures like. Uh, in other words, something that brings on symptoms and a healthy person can, in a very small dose, treat an illness with similar symptoms. Uh, meant, it's meant to trigger the body's natural defenses. So, for example, red onions make your eyes water. That's why uh, red onions are used in homeopathic remedies for allergies because allergies, you know, can also make your eyes water. Uh, along the kind of same line of thinking, if you're having digestive problems, a homeopathic uh, doctor will often, uh, you know, tell you to eat your own shit. Or in some cases, a dedicated homeopathic doctor will just give you their shit. Uh, the best, most renowned homeopathic doctors will just uh, do you the favor of shitting directly into your mouth for most, if if not all, ailments. And, uh, of course, that's not true. But the red onion <laughs> allergy example is legit. I bet there are some people, though, who could be tricked into that. Right, just enough fucking psycho babble. They're like, "Listen, you're having a lot of stomach problems, right? Your stomach's upset, right? You're 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 pooping is not the way you would like to. Uh, my poop, as as you will see, is very solid and healthy and firm. So, based on our other, you know, kind of uh, cures, uh, I think the best course is for you just to lay down here, and at about thirty minutes, I'm gonna be ready to drop one off right in your mouth and uh, choke it down, get it down, and then tell me how you feel tomorrow." Uh, Luke's interest in alternative medicine grew and he traveled all over the world, synthesizing various medical practices into his own hybrid approach, combining Western, various herbal and new age type treatments in order to treat men in its totality. Uh, by 1976, he's practicing alternative medicine in the Belgian mining region of Boronage. One of his favorite phrases around this time would become, you are not sick because you have a disease. You have a disease because you are sick. Ta-da! Uh, Sounds like something you read in The Secret. You don't have cancer. You are cancer. Just stop being cancer and you'll be fine. You just have to manifest better health. That's all. Some people are poor and sick because that's what they want to be. Uh, Have have I ever mentioned that The Secret is the only book I literally threw in a fucking trash can after reading just one chapter uh, and skimming a few others? A friend recommended it to me. (laughs) I made quite a bit of fun of him for how strongly he believed in it. Uh, We're no longer friends. He thought he could manifest himself uh, into having his own sitcom. Like, truly believe this. This is almost 10 years ago. Still doesn't have a sitcom. So I guess he hasn't focused hard enough. I guess he's not manifesting enough positivity in his life. And before I get angry emails, yes, I know there is power and value in visualizing your future and a positive manifestation. I know there's some value in that. You can take that shit too far. Um, anyway, 1977, Luke's pursuit of new treatments leads him to the Philippines, where he would later claim to live for about a year studying with uh, basically some fucking witch doctors. Uh, His own brother, Bernard, would later say, my brother never stopped talking about the Filipino healers, how they did remarkable things with only their hands. I was dismayed how someone so intelligent could be taken in by these stories. Uh, Just like Joseph DiMambro, Luke is a super curious guy, not afraid to explore new ideas, who is developing his own unorthodox belief system, you know, based mainly around homeopathic medicine in the 1970s. And then he would take a deepening interest in the spiritual side of life that would lead him directly to Joseph de Mambro and the order of the solar temple. He would later say, there were some transcendent experiences in my life, some experiences that made me directly experience a superior aspect of man to which I had been previously blind and all great civilizations. We notice the doctors were always priests and vice versa. Did he read about, did he read about the Aztecs? Cause I don't know that they were great people to have, uh, for, for doctors, when the priests were cutting people up on the temples and fucking rolling them down the stairs. then he said, I am convinced that a doctor who is not concerned with reintegrating himself into a dimension in which the spiritual is more important than the physical cannot understand his patient and such. And this is rather the tragedy of medicine today, not to denigrate its authentic value concerning what it has allowed us as far as transformation of man, but it nevertheless still leads to a dead end because it refuses to integrate the spiritual man into the physical man even though the spiritual has conditioned the physical. So Luke, Luke realized he didn't want to just uh, treat your physical body anymore, right? He wanted to treat your soul. He wanted to write you soul prescriptions. He wanted to be a soul doctor. sacred soul doctor. He wanted to fulfill the roles of both doctor and priest. Pretty egomaniacal, really, right? You've decided to become a doctor, a job where you literally save lives. That takes a healthy ego, not a career for somebody with confidence issues. Now, on top of that, uh, you want to be in charge of their souls as well. Who thinks they can heal your body and your soul? A future cult leader. By 1981, Luke had set up his own homeopathic practice in L'Eglise, a small town in eastern Belgium. He'd also gotten married. He marries a French woman uh, named Christine in 1980. They'd have uh, one child together who died as an infant. The couple would divorce soon after that. Uh, The death of this child pushes Luke further down the road of looking for magical answers. Uh, sorry about that, you guys. I thought I had my phone on, uh, that was crazy. I thought I had it on, uh, Do Not Disturb. Do not disturb me. Do not disturb me. All right? It is on Do Not Disturb. Why Why am I still getting a ring? You know why? Because I was making fun of Magic. You know that who that probably was? That was probably Dr. Luke calling from the afterlife. Uh, just like, stop revealing our secrets. Anyway. Um, so yeah, he marries Christine, <laughs> they have a child together, dies as an infant, uh, the couple would divorce soon after that, uh, yeah, he, the death of him, you know, pushes him further into magic, and now I'm trying to turn my phone off, God damn it! Stop ask, thinking I'm asking you weird secret questions, Siri. Okay. Also in the 1970s, I apologize, Luke meets Joseph through his own involvement in the same Rosicrucian order I mentioned earlier, the renewed order of the temple, aka ORT. Uh, an acronym that works in French, by the way. Sometimes with these acronyms, I'm like, wait a minute, order renewed order of the te- that's R O T. Why is it O R T? It's because of the French. By 1976, Luke and Joseph have both risen to the rank of Grand Masters. Ah, oh, they get to wear the coolest robes. Probably got some fucking wizard hats. Uh, so many pendants. Uh, cool Dakota rings. You know, uh, the two meet each other through organizing some O R T workshops for the public to entice new members to join. Okay. I've thrown a lot of info at you. I wish I had more personal info on Luke and Joseph's earlier lives, but according to numerous sources, that info just doesn't seem to exist. Not on anything that's been translated into English at the very least. Uh, And since most info about the solar cult comes from sources that have been translated from French, I don't think it exists in any language. Uh, Before we dive into the timeline, uh, let's have a brief recap of what we know so far. Uh, Before that, Let's hear a word from one of our fantastic sponsors. Today's Time Suck is brought to you by Baby Secret. Do you like secrets? Do you like scary baby dolls that tell you secrets? Do you hate your kids? Do you think it's fun to give your kids nightmares? If you've answered yes to any of these questions or are just a creepy, weird fuck of a human being, Baby Secret is for you. Let's hear of of what some of what Baby Secret has to say. What What do you got, Baby Secret? What secrets do you have for today? That was kind of hard to understand, Baby Secret. What did you just say? Is anyone else awake? Oh, so fun! What a fun doll! I think that said, "I'm gonna kill you in your sleep." I think that said, "I like to sleep with you." What? How fun! I like Baby Secret. She's real pretty. She's a baby, Woody. What are you doing here? No. She's a sexy old demon soul who just lives inside a baby doll's body. Woody likes that. Woody likes it weird. Get out of here, Woody. God, that's fucking creepy. I'll be back. I'll be back, and I'll be woodier than ever. <laughs> Whee! That's not today's sponsor. That was creepy and strange. It's just another doll we have here in the sock Dungeon. But we have a real sponsor. Today's Time Suck is brought to you by Quip. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is not to see a homeopathic doctor. It's to brush our teeth. All right, do you want the tooth gremlin to get you? Do you want him to rip your teeth out and kill your parents? Of course not. And for those of you not familiar with my made-up tooth gremlin folklore, do you want to have a bunch of cavities or dirty teeth that make you feel like hiding your sweet, sweet smile? Do you like hiding your joy? I hope not. Uh, I'm guessing you already brush your teeth. You care about them chomps. I'm also guessing, based on statistics, that you don't brush them properly. Quip is here to help. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. Quip was uh, designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Uh, with sensitive sonic vibrations, it's gentle on your sensitive gums and, built, uh, and, and the built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and guide you to a full, even clean. Better yet, uh, Quip does not require a clunky charger. Uh, I've been bringing my Quip on the road for a few weeks now. First electronic toothbrush that I've ever done that with, because unlike ones I've used in the past, it's not huge and doesn't require additional parts to charge it. It's the size of like a regular toothbrush. Uh, it doesn't feel much heavier than one either. And the bristles are gentler than the electric toothbrushes I've used in the past. And that's important. Maybe more important than you realize. My dentist told me if I don't stop aggressively brushing my teeth with hard bristles, someday I might need surgery on my gums because my gums are, are starting to recede and they don't come back on their own. Right, I've been brushing my gums into oblivion. So take it easy on your gums. Turns out blood is not the sign of a job well done when it comes to brushing your teeth. Turns out that's crazy, crazy. Uh, I love Quip. I hope you will too. Uh, They're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals and Quip starts just 25 bucks. And if you go to getquip.com slash time suck right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at get quip.com dot com slash timesuck. Cheap and effective. Say those chomps. Get quip. Link in the episode description, sponsor button in the timesuck app. Now let's briefly recap. It's early 1990. It's early 1991. You have Joseph DeMombro 55 year old man who's been interested in various forms of esotericism since he was a teen, a man who's belonged to various Rosicrucian orders for 25 years. He's been studying various new age belief systems. He's opened up a little compound commune system, Right. He's into Knights, Templar, rites and rituals, other occult beliefs, actively forming his own, you know, organizations for at least five years. And then you also have 33 year old Dr. Luke Jure, a man with an interest in some form of communal living uh, since he was in college, the whole communist youth organization stuff. A guy with strong new age interests, both where it comes to medicine, where it comes to spirituality, a guy who has also been involved in Rosicrucianism for about five years. And then in 1981, something happens that leads uh, to these two taking the leap from becoming Rosicrucian members to becoming Rosicrucian leaders and forming their own Knights Templar-based organization, uh, which will become a full-fledged doomsday cult uh, pretty quickly. So let's explore all of that in today's Time Suck Timeline. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a Time Suck Timeline. Let's pick up today's timeline in 1981. Uh, Jacques Oriagas, founder and leader of the renewed order of Templars that Luke and Joseph both belonged to. Well, uh, he died. And Luke and Joseph take that as a sign that maybe he didn't know what he's talking about. Maybe he didn't have enough magic after all. And he was just talking a bunch of crazy mumbo jumbo. And they go back to leading regular lives. Uh, Joseph starts to sell watches and jewelry again. And Luke keeps being a quasi legitimate hippie doctor. And that will take us out of today's time suck timeline. Good job, soldier. You made it back. Ah, kidding. That would fucking suck, wouldn't it? My God, I'd be outraged. If I was listening to, like, you know, 45 plus minutes of buildup for a cult story, and then the the then that was the end. Uh no. 1981, Jacques dies. Luke thinks that uh he should take over as leader. He does briefly, but too many other members disagree. Uh important members like Oriega's wife and daughter. Some say Luke gets kicked out of the group for trying to take it in a direction other members didn't want it to go. Uh, They already believed in some weird shit, but he wanted to make it weirder, and they weren't down with that, so he got the boot. Uh, I guess he must have forgot to manifest enough positive intentions towards getting what he wanted, you know? I feel like, uh, you know, getting kicked out of uh, of this group kind of went against his belief system. Uh, Kicked out or not, he definitely leaves the group. Meanwhile, also in 1981, things are heating up with Joseph's weird pyramid, great, white, universal lodge, golden way, compound place, fucking thing. Uh, He and the members of the fraternity They're having more secret meetings now. He's teaching more secret rituals. And while no source says how he did this, I actually don't think the the method has ever been revealed for reasons I'll explain later. He starts putting on this crazy magic show (laughs) that members do not know is a magic show, Uh, a show that would be key to future recruitment. This is my favorite part of this story. Uh, Check this out. He, he, He starts holding these meetings with the most dedicated followers of his small cult, uh, and for the true cult members, the ones living on the compound that have given them all of his stuff, he, he holds the most special of special meetings in this little special lair he's had created inside his pyramid sublodge. Uh, somehow, uh, maybe through the use of, I don't know, a projector and, and, and aided by mirrors, he's able to get these holograms of robed people known as the ancient masters to, to appear. Um, kind of, picture like uh, Star Wars, right, when uh, Princess Leia comes out of R2-D2. Uh, the, these ancient masters were supposedly the spirits of long-dead Templars, uh, long-dead holders of secret knowledge. They're appearing as holograms. You know, Members of his group are seeing them or hearing them. Uh, in addition to the holograms, other types of special effects are used to create this almost like a weird immersive laser light show in this lair of his. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there, well, there's a lot of mirrors and stuff. The, the, uh, there aren't a lot of details given to exactly uh, what the show looked like. But it was good enough to truly trick people into thinking they were witnessing spirits manifest themselves, talking to them. Uh, the reality of the show may have also been aided, probably was aided by drugs taken unknowingly by members that put them in a mental state more receptive to the reality of these images. Uh, a Former member is convinced a was constantly drugging his followers uh, with uh, drugs he would put in these elixirs that you would drink, these rituals. Fucking genius. Like what a great way to get cult members. Uh risky if you if your special effects mish, uh, mess up, right? That'd be tough if the hologram glitches. Listen to Joseph. He is the world's greatest teacher. He is the world's greatest teacher. He is the world's greatest teacher. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. It's like Joseph was some shady-ass David Copperfield or David Blaine wannabe. God, I wish there was footage of one of these elaborate tricks used to make members think that mystical ancient beings are really giving their leader messages and reaffirming how important he is to to their program. Behold, modern bearers of the Templar flame, it is I, Merlin, ancient wizard and Templar before the word was known, guardian of the secrets of ancient Egypt. And I am here to reveal those secrets to the cherished few. So listen, and behold, it is not how much you make, it is how much you save. This is secret financial knowledge transferred down from one Templar to the next since the beginning of time. Also, never underestimate the power of compound interest. Let your money work for you. Also, there are other, even more powerful, wealth-growing secrets that only a living master, who should be followed at all costs, can comprehend and implement. And that living master is Joseph DiMambro. The most handsome, strong, intelligent, well-endowed, sexually skilled, unparalleled understander of the past, present, and future, reincarnated prophet of old, a new Jesus, only he, new Jesus, your spiritual leader, knows how to take care of his inner circle, and only a fool who will surely painfully die when the world is crushed would not sign over their life savings to him. That's a fucking sweet-ass hologram. Uh, DiMombrough had a a good thing going, thanks to his trickery. Made him enough money to keep his scheme going, and that new Jesus thing wasn't just totally absurd. Well, that'll come up in a bit. Uh, But still, his numbers, they remain small, right? No more than a couple dozen devoted members... He wants to expand his spiritual business. He's got to get bigger audiences for his magic show. But he's just not that charismatic outside of the compound. He's a a fucking boring speaker. Uh, Not a a charmer. Uh, Smart, but not a charmer. Uh, You know, what he needed was a brand ambassador, a spokesperson who could lure new members in, right? Get their feet wet in the world. Then he fucking sneaks in the magic show, seals the cult deal, and boom, making lots of money. And that someone would be Dr. Luke Jure. After a couple meetings between the two men, a new partnership is born. They start working together sometime in late 1981, early 1982. By 1983, Luke is helping recruit new members by hitting the new uh, new age speakers. <laughs> in my notes, I wrote new wave. Like suddenly he's like fucking uh, talking heads or flock of seagulls or some shit. Um, he's giving lectures on how he could cure your body and your soul in Switzerland, France, and Canada. And it worked. Uh, he and Joseph began recruiting additional members, getting more money, opening up new cultural clubs, In both Europe and North America now, the the lectures Dr. Uh, Luke present, uh, they're given under the name of a new company. They they love coming up with new fucking titles called Amenta. Anyone ready to join the communal lifestyle and learn secret lessons of the occult could pay to live in one of the new clubs. Uh, These were called Arcadia Clubs. And then if you really wanted to go places, you could apply and then pay to join the International Order of Chivalry Solar Tradition. Right, The very beginning of the solar temple before they got their name a little bit pared down. Three levels, the Amenta Lecture, the Arcadia Club, the Inner Solar Circle. Only a limited number of people from each club could join the final club within a club. Got to create exclusivity. Got to build that FOMO. Uh, This shit sounds fucking crazy. And for sure it was, but it was also brilliant and it worked. Right? Uh, Luke and Joseph's seemingly convoluted plan was actually pretty straightforward. You got step one. Get people to show up for Luke's crystally Homeopathic New Age Lecture. Right? This is back when these type of lectures are super popular in places like Geneva and Montreal. Hundreds of people are showing up to hear Dr. Luke Gerait, uh give a lecture on clean living. You know, don't eat red meat. Make sure your vegetables are organic. Don't litter. Take care of Mother Earth. Got to recycle because the planet's a living organism. Or <laughs> organism. Uh, you know, it's good, good stuff, good hippie stuff. And then he would slide in some messages about the importance of the spirit-body connection to health and how if you really wanted to be free from disease, lead a long and happy life in this world and the next – You were a fool to go to some doctor who didn't understand the spiritual nature of disease, right? Luke strongly alludes that that he fucking gets it. He he understands the body, mind, spirit connection, and he has a little extra knowledge for those who want to stick around after the lecture. Uh, I should also add here that while Joseph was a really average looking, weak jawline, frumpy dad bod, Luke, heartthrob, like soap opera material, chiseled jawline, more chiseled abs, bulging biceps, rock hard pecs. Uh, people interviewed about him described him as fit, athletic, handsome, powerfully built. Plus, he's a gifted speaker, right? He's got an interesting background. He's born in Africa. Family fled to Belgium under political turmoil, uh, joined the military and fought in it. Actual doctor, financially successful, traveled the world in search of medical and spiritual knowledge. He's got a, got a sad backstory where he's, you know, his, his baby died. You know, that's going to... When the hearts of, uh, of a lot of people claim to have, uh, you know, found all this spiritual knowledge in the Philippines, he's he's the perfect spokesperson. Uh, had Luke not have been handsome, successful, etc., I, I don't think anyone would have been buying his extra come live in our compound bullshit. Right? Hard to sell success secrets about how to look, feel, and be your best if you're like super obese. You know, you know, if you roll up to the lecture in a scooter that has a lawnmower engine that's constantly sputtering and backfiring. Hard to hard to sell this I, ideal life if you're smiling with a half full, uh, you know, uh, amount of dirty chiclet teeth. Especially when your speech clearly doesn't reveal like a top le- level of education. You know, it's different if his lectures like, hey, listen now, hey, hey now, hey, you want to be rich and shit, afford to finance luxuries, you gotta have your spirit tinned up and whatnot and so forth. Listen, hey, hey now, you pickles, pigs feet, plenty yuns. Hold on, brass monkeys, time for TBM. Don't get the cheap allergy meds when you're cranking up some of that nose sugar. (laughs) Hey now, listen here. (laughs) That that guy, that guy's not getting a lot of people to stay after after the lecture. Uh, Okay, step two, right? Step one lecture. Step two, get some of the people to sign up for limited membership who have stayed afterwards to talk to Dr. Luke. Right? You get a couple hundred people to listen. You know, you speak knowing that a small percentage of those people are going to want to know more. Some of those people, you know, you lure them into signing up a little for a trial membership in one of the Arcadia Clubs. Try it out. See how you like communal luxury. See how you like learning new awesome secrets with people who wear robes and do fucking chants and stuff. If you like it enough, you can pay to live there. Pay some rent, buy some meal tickets, and be in this weird new agey club med kind of situation. Right? Give it a go for a few months. Then there's step three. From the people who try out the compound, a small percentage are going to give it their everything. They're going to they're gonna give all their earthly money to the cause and join the inner circle, a.k.a. the real cult. Right? They're going to be part of this Solar tradition. They're going to learn the real secrets. See the holograms. Come for the laser light show. Stay for the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1984, after some decent growth in Switzerland and Canada, the group decides to move their headquarters from France to Canada. Why? <laughs> ah, this is so good. Because because the man who revived the Templar resurgence in France in the early 50s, this Jacques Breyer, uh, a member of that first Rosicrucian group, the Joseph Blanc, the founder of that first group, Uh, The AMORC, a man who has been acting as Joseph's advisor for roughly three decades now, tells him they need to go to Canada. This is the best. Breyer believed that Earth was becoming more and more corrupted, right? A time of great upheaval and trouble for the people of Earth was right around the corner. However, there would be less upheaval and trouble around the city of Toronto. This is seriously what he told him. Shit you not. These guys were true con artists, but also believed their insane mythology, uh, how weird is it also f- for a cult leader to have a cult advisor? Cause this, <laughs> this, this Jacques guy is like a weird character. He's never like a, a real part of the cult, but he does advise them and is around them all the time. Like, like if they were the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, he's like their splinter, right? He's not, he's not a fucking, he's not a teenage mutant Ninja Turtle, but he is the one who teaches them. Um, I just, I just makes me think like, like what if Jim Jones would have had like Charles Manson for, for a mentor? You know, been calling him. Uh, Charles, it's, it's Jim. Uh, things are not going well in Guyana. Uh, Russia is not responding to my calls for asylum. I think some defectors are telling people that I I may have sodomized some members and, and, and whatnot. Uh, the government's coming down, Charles. I I don't know what to do. You gotta get that poison, Jimmy. Helter skelter, blood on the walls, man. You gotta stop doing what the man's program need to do. You gotta bring it all down, Jimmy. Bust me out, find that cave, man. Got to, got to cut the white man, helter skelter, pigs and ponytails. You think I, you think I can't get an army to fuck all sideways, man? You gotta know what you know, and then you gotta go, Jimmy. Ah, thanks, Charles. I knew you could help. I'm going to poison the punch now. You, you take care. Uh, based on some Templar mystic <laughs> saying that the world was now entering a new age of chaos and upheaval, but that part of Canada would largely be spared. Uh, Joseph and Luke moved their headquarters to Toronto. Uh, based, based on Jock Breyer's advice, in 1984, the Golden Way Foundation finances Joseph and his wife, Jocelyn de immigration to Canada. Uh, Breyer felt that a, a strong presence in Canada was important if they were to re- reach the English-speaking world, mainly the United States. He thought they could really spread their membership there. And he, and he also had received word from the ancient masters that North America had become the source of most of the new impulses. This is their lingo. Uh, and these impulses determine the way life evolves on the planet. So there, so there's that. Uh, he, and he felt that the modern knight Templar should play his part in the age of Aquarius <laughs> by adding to his counterparts a new world uh, and so they can bring the planet into a new and higher level of consciousness. He argued that, that Europe was old and worn out, right? You get it. It's old, It's even though it's the same age. But for humans, it's older. It's worn out. Its lands are filled with... <laughs> Millions of bodies and they're, listen, there's, there's just too many vibrations from the old wars and the violence in the European dirt. And he just, he knew that Quebec and Canada was blessed with a, with a broad granite plate underneath and some kind of strong magnetic field and less vibrations. And this would just protect the whole area from a lot of earthquakes and volcanic eruptions that were going to bring in the apocalypse. It makes a lot of sense. A lot of sound logic being employed here. Uh, Dr. Luke also becomes a firm believer in this big Canadian migration uh, around the same time. It is a uh, Switzerland homeopathic practice. A couple by the name of Rose Marie and Bruno Klaus met Jure. Uh, uh, Bruno decided to consult Dr. Luke on the advice of a friend. Uh, Bruno had a bad earache and Jure claimed to have discovered why. Uh, he, he claimed that Bruno had cancer. Uh, this is how he would get some people to join the group. Uh, no blood work was done. No biopsy. No other tests, no other doctors doing tests. Just he, he knew, he could tell, he could look at it. And, uh, you know, and there was no reason for Bruno to be tested by anyone else because he just uh, he cured him. He just figured it out, he looked at it, and he did some mumbo jumbo, and hey, your cancer's gone. The cancer that you didn't know you have, the cancer that you don't have is now gone. Uh, just told him, you know, the this, the weird ear cancer is no longer around. And after that, Dr. Uh, Luke uh, would tell Bruno, you should be dead, you owe me your life. and And Bruno believed him. And he becomes a devoted follower. And then sometime later, a, a temple astrologer, a former hairdresser named Marie Louise, tells Bruno that she sees major changes in his chart, his astrology chart. His planetary alignment now reveals that he's supposed to go to Quebec and help start a 350-acre uh, farm uh, that's called an Ark of Survival over there. <laughs> she, uh, she told him and his wife, we are leaving the age of Pisces and going towards Aquarius. She said that Europe was going to burn, be burn up and that we need to escape to Canada. And they needed a hundred people enough to repopulate the world after it's torn down. And then, so they all head out there, they start a new center and they also start this fucking farm where they grow crops to prepare for the apocalypse. And if, if this seems like a bunch of nonsensical cult babble to you, well, fucking wake up because that makes a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, they, have a, they have a self-sustaining circle of just utter madness happening. <laughs> like, so, It's so complicated and they just keep adding more and more of whatever's popular Amongst these weirdo, fucking crystally people, uh, I picture these guys coming up with all this shit in some kind of weird war room, like like down in their weird mirror pyramid lair. It's just like like a room full of artifacts, a lot of religious artifacts in particular, old Templar books supposedly from Jerusalem, little statues and trinkets of knights and things, religious paintings on the walls, uh, a lot of weird jewelry, a bunch of New Age stuff, amulets and crystals, vials of blessed dirt and sand from, you know, new age power sites or swords and chain mail and tons of ancient books, you know, scrolls from Egypt, astrology charts, tarot cards, maybe a witch's cauldron, probably a wizard staff, definitely a Ouija board. And there's just some dude like Jacques Breyer who shows up sometimes and puts on, you know, to, to consult them, puts on his special robe and jewelry. And yeah, you know, he's reading from a medieval almanac while also consulting some of Nostradamus's prophecies. He's, There's a couple other nuts like Joseph de and Dr. Luke and Mary Louise, the astrologer, also wearing robes and Templar symbols. And they're chanting in the background just, ooh, ooh, la, la, ooh, ooh, rah, rah, ancient master, third eye open, sand and spiders, blood and water, ooh, just weird shit. Jacques goes into like a trance state, you know, with his eyes closed, He starts writing on some parchment that's made out of human skin. It's dipping its quill in blood. Toronto. It must be Toronto. The moon will be in its sixth cycle. The age of Aquarius will coincide with the return of Neptune. The blood of Christ will rise as will be demonstrated by the high tide of the Dead Sea. There will be a great number of synchronized menstrual cycles. All has been foretold by Nostradamus. When he prophesied, See the strange clown play the French horn at midnight. A three legged dog with one eye will fight for freedom. A golden voice will sing, will be there. Ho oh, oh, ho oh, ho, Yamu be there. And then the God triad said, You just got McDonald, motherfucker. And that is why we head to Canada. Like it's so crazy. It's so fucking crazy. And they do, they go to Canada. Membership grows at least a little. Uh, the group's headquarters in Toronto is this old orphanage where Jerez. Club Amenta establishes this kind of new age retreat for people who are into this shit. Uh, Flyers from the late 80s announced programs at this place on various disciplines such as the science of life. Uh, They also advertise chamber music concerts and, quote, spectacles. What the fuck? Hey, do you like concerts? Do you like like spectacles? Are you interested in the science of life? Well, come on down to the solar temple. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah! In addition to hundreds of members actually now uh, living in the co- uh, headquarters compound, many others stop by weekly or even daily to have meals with the group or hear some uh, Joseph's or Dr. Luke's teachings. Uh, once a month, people from all over Quebec would meet at this compound uh, during full moons where they could do their chants and rituals. <laughs> what, are they, what were they learning? Like, what exactly was their teachings? Uh, let, let's examine their teachings in just a bit after taking a brief break from utter insanity. Uh, to hear a word from today's final sponsor. Today's Time Suck is brought to you by Johnny Dingle's Coffee Circus. This week, Johnny Dingle is running a special on the cherries and cream dingle chinos. Normally, they're $7, but uh, this is great. Now, this week, they're $9, which I know is more. But this week, you get a free straw, where normally you have to pay 3 bucks for a straw. And now you no longer have to bring in your own cup. So come to Johnny Dingle's Coffee Circus, where the math is just as crazy as the coffee. Also, in honor of today's episode, this week... With the password Solar Temple, you can order a solar fruitcake chino that comes with a free Templar hologram sticker and a 100% quartz power crystal and an Age of Aquarius explanation manual and a week's worth of homeopathic roots and powders guaranteed to cure everything. And if you're an attractive woman or wealthy man, you get an invitation to an initiation rite for the grand opening of the new Solar Temple Rosicrucian fucking Pyramid Hologram Lair. hey. Johnny Dingle's Coffee Circus, where the coffee is just as complicated as the cult. And that's not today's sponsor. Today's Time Circus is brought to you by Indochino. Uh, Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. They make suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. They have a wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from. Not to mention the option to personalize the details, uh, including stuff like your lapel, lining, pockets, buttons, writing your own monogram if you want, Just make your selections, then hit submit and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple weeks. I just got my custom-fitted Hounslow black chinos, no pleats, cuffed hem, black buttons with slanted wide side pockets, welt back pockets, creased with belt loops. I picked out all those options. I'm I'm a pants builder now. I'm practically a tailor. I'm at least a tailor supervisor, technically. And guess what? The pants fit perfectly. Who knew? that custom tailored pants would fit better than off-the-rack pants and cost less and look so good. A butt's fitting high, tight, and right in my Indochinos. But you don't have to just get nice chinos. This week, Time Suckers and Space can get any premium Indochino suit for just $359 at Indochino.com when entering Time Socket at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Promo code TIMESUCK for any premium suit for just $359, free shipping, incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you do not go back. So get the suit, suckers. Get Lucifina hot. She subscribes to that ZZ Top philosophy of every girl being crazy about a sharp-dressed man. A link to the deal in the episode description, button link on the TIMESUCK app. Now let's talk about Solar Temple Doctrine. Let's see if we can make it make any sense. Uh, in 1986, the temple publishes in Toronto two volumes of some of its teachings under the title Survival Beyond the Year 2000. Yeah, Y2K. They even took in some Y2K beliefs. Uh, they just grab everything. The whole late 20th century panic that the world was going to end, uh, you know, by the year 2000. The first volume is a bunch of doctrinal stuff. The second establishes guidelines as to what provisions to store in order to survive a disaster that would destroy all essential technologies. And what to do to survive our atomic bacteria. Uh, Materiological or chemical warfare. In addition, it provides a detailed first aid manual. I'm sure there's a lot of just fucking come to the farm. Come to our organic cult farm. Uh, clearly by the mid-80s, they're they're starting to become a doomsday cult now. They are preparing, if not for the end of the world, for the end of most of the world. They thought that the majority of the world's population would soon be wiped out. All existing technology and industry will be destroyed. Things will be simpler again for those who have survived. you got to know how to grow your own food. got to make your own pants. Other survivalist stuff. Uh, outside of doomsday survivalist notions, here are some other themes or areas of focus taken from Dr. Uh, one of Dr. Luke's lectures. All right. They're into reestablishing the correct notions of authority and power in the world, affirming the primacy of the spiritual over the tempor- uh, temporal, giving back to man the conscious of his dignity, okay, uh, helping humanity through its transition, participating in the assumption of the earth and its three frameworks, body, soul, and spirit, Contributing to the union of the churches and working towards the meeting of Christianity and Islam. Preparing for the return of Christ in solar glory. Yep, solar Christ. Uh, And to teach lessons along these theological themes, Joseph would read biblical passages that he decoded secrets from, or from other religious texts, or read from the writings of other mystics. Uh, New Age and Theosophical teachers like Alice Bailey and Madame Blavatsky. You know, uh, This guy thought he could decipher hidden knowledge from all over the place. take it from various major religions, various new age schools of thought, astrology, all sorts of shit. Uh, They told members about how it's important to understand your true nature, that it doesn't concern your physical body. Here's a quote from a former believer. According to the solar temple, 26,000 years ago, the blue star related to Sirius's energy left on the earth, sons of the one. It appears in the sky every time it is needed and responds to magnetization when humanity lives its crisis of transmutation. What the fuck? So every once in a while, the earth goes through a major cleansing, a major change, and the sons of the one appear to guide a special few through the change, and Joseph and Luke are those ones. I think that's what that message meant. And and if you don't think this should make sense, uh, you're right. You're right. None of it really makes sense in the way we understand sense to work. Uh, You know, David Icke doesn't make any sense. David Icke babbles on and on and on about various outlandish conspiracies. He writes book after book after book, huge books that don't make any sense. Where illogical conclusions are drawn, you know, very confidently, fiction is presented as obvious fact, and the dude sells out theaters. If you present a message with enough conviction, it doesn't need to make sense, right? If somebody wants what you're selling bad enough, they're just going to buy it. That's why there's always going to be cults. Um, I think that all that really matters in terms of understanding how all of this came about is understanding that Joseph believed that he was super important. He believed that the world, as we know it, was ending, and he could save a few people, lead them to a new world that would emerge from the wreckage of the old one. And he borrowed ideas from other new age or esoteric occult teachings, added his own similar messages, sold all of that to people who wanted to live in a world full of secrets. So many secrets. Only a few important advanced people are able to understand these secrets, right? That's part of the, the lure of the complicatedness is that he just makes you feel like, well, if you, if you're the right chosen person, you'll, you'll just get it. You'll understand it, right? He's been studying this shit for decades. He's memorized a lot of ancient stuff. He was an expert in making things sound cool and interesting, he knew, he knew a lot about this shit and, and some people just wanted him so badly to be right. They just wanted to, uh, to be one of those advanced, important souls. So they convinced themselves just to buy whatever he's selling, right? His messages fit the fantasy that, uh, you know, for whatever personal reasons, each of them had, they just wanted to believe in, right? Just listen to him. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, solar Christ, uh, ancient Templars, uh, hidden on. Uh, yeah, I get it. Uh, do I get to live forever when a lot of other people die? Yes. Okay, cool. uh, uh do I get to be on the starting team? When the world starts over, because I don't, I don't want to be right on the bench in life anymore. I do. I'm one of the, the most important chosen ones. Well, fuck yeah, I'm in then. I'm important and I get to live forever. I don't care about anything else. Continue with your or Jesus night crystal talk. Okay, so by 1990, the rules of the order described an organization under the absolute authority of a secret inner group called the Synarchy of the Temple. They fuckers, they love to keep people confused. Just keep creating more and more levels, more new names, more secrets. You can never have too many secrets. Uh, There were three major degrees now. Brothers of the Court, uh, Chevaliers of the Alliance, and and Brothers of the Former Times. My God, they took this stuff seriously. Each of these new, totally fresh, super cool levels has three different internal ranks. Internal documents uh, that were not destroyed when the group went away reveal part of one of the rituals for the Chevaliers of the Alliance— it said, men and women wearing white mantles with the red cross over the breast that's the Templar symbol, file slowly two by two into a round room. Each couple bows before a candle, standing on a mirrored triangular pedestal in the center of a chamber, and then the pairs split to form two lines along the wall. Suddenly, from beneath their robes, the Chevaliers pull forth long apaises, which are these long, thin swords, kind of ceremonial versions of the swords you use for fencing. Raising these swords in unison, all oh, these ass clowns. They bring the cruciform hilt to their faces, then stretch their arms outward, pointing the blades toward the light. they like, they remind me of like this weird fucking fake fighting drama club that was around when I was in college, where these kids like everybody else would be partying, and then you walk back from the party to your dorm room, and there would be <laughs> there would be these kids pretending to be knights with these cushioned swords doing this kind of weird sword play. It's like That taken so much farther. Uh, (laughs) Part of another ritual was captured on video, a solar temple initiation ceremony. Uh, It's described as the soundtrack switches from uh, Lohengrin to Gregorian chant. Two white mantle Templars lead a man in a business suit. (laughs) Uh, The escorts take a new robe uh, and surplus from an altar and carefully place them around this initiate's shoulders. He then kneels before a Templar priest his hands on the altar next to a red rose and a Bible held open by a sword. The priest picks up the sword and dubs the initiate on his right shoulder, his left shoulder, and the top of his head. After the ceremony ends, the members file out of the sanctuary two by two into a long corridor. At the end of the corridor, one can see a mirrored door slide open. The video closes with a close-up of Luc Jure given a priestly benediction, followed by a shot of a fireplace crackling warmly. Man, mirrors and swords and robes, oh my. These guys knew how to Templar. They'd fucking, bro, do you even, Templar, uh, initiates to the order, joined an eternal chain of reincarnations. This is fun. Uh, Demomero made believers feel extra special by telling them that they were reincarnated forms of various, very important historical figures. Former member uh, Thierry uh, Clairvaux uh, later said, Joseph made me believe that I was the great reincarnation of Bernard De Clairvaux, a famous 12th century French monk who turned uh, the Cistercian order from a handful of priests into an important European religious movement. So a guy he would have been familiar with. Whether or not one believes in reincarnation, you have to admit that man lives with emotions. And you know that one can have an experience as a child and remembered at 80. And you can imagine, if you do believe in reincarnation, that there is a memory, a cellular memory, which across time and space comes back home to live in. Okay. So, you know, he's, he's luring people in who already have... Fringy beliefs, and he's just taken a lot further. Joseph told a uh, theory uh, of other important figures that now existed within their ranks. Joseph uh, D'Ambrro told uh, the other people that he himself had been uh, uh, an important 14th century Egyptian pharaoh. He'd been Moses. He'd been an 18th century Italian occultist, uh, Cagliostro. Uh, he was the third incarnation of Jesus Christ, a- and and he was also Osiris, the ancient Egyptian god of the underworld nice. He was even some gods in his past lives. He was Jesus and the Egyptian God of the dead. So sweet. So so fun. Uh, Joseph would tell others, you understand in all my incarnations, I always had to fight because my spiritual development was always so far in advance of the time when I was living. God, he's so advanced. How tough for him. He's been an advanced spirit for millennia. That's why I know so much. That's why he's the co leader. That's why he gets the coolest robe. Right, that's that's why they still don't have a lot of members because he's he's just too advanced and it's so frustrating. Uh, I wonder if the more Joseph liked you, the more like money you were given to his cult. I wonder if like that's how you got to have cooler past lives. I bet. Like if like if you're Michael, some millionaire that hangs on his every word. You used to be Napoleon. You used to be Caesar. Uh, you used to be Mars, the god, of, the Roman god of war. But if you're like if you're like Greg and you're some dude who barely could pay for his robe. And you got, you know, and you got a cheap-ass amulet and your ceremonial sword's a little rusty. Um, you know, you kind of, you know, backtalk a little bit. Well, you know what? You come from a long line of shopkeepers, uh, grave diggers, peasants, and most of your past lives died from the from the plague. Load the Greg. Aim the Greg. Fire the Greg. Uh, hey, did I mention that to kick off these lair rituals, Joseph is fucking uh, female members? <laughs> did, I, did I forget to mention that? Uh, using the authority the ancient hologram masters have given him, Jure uh, uh, would choose female member, members of the cult. Uh, DeMambro would choose female members of the cult to engage sexually uh, with before ceremonies. Uh, 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 Dr. Uh, – or excuse me, uh, DeMambro would claim that the sex magic their union gave him. Sorry, you know what? And, I, and I, I wrote their names wrong on this one. It wasn't Jure. Uh, quick retraction. It was uh, DeMambro was doing this. The would choose female members of the cult to engage with sexually before ceremonies. He would claim that the sex magic their union gave him was what gave him the spiritual strength to perform powerful holy duties. Makes sense. Gods of yesteryear have given him the power to perform magic rituals. Almost. They left him a little short of the needed power. Luckily, the right amount of pussy gets the job done. How convenient. Uh, I'm sure his wife is thrilled. The cult is in full bloom, right? At least one of the leaders is fucking people because an otherworldly uh, presence wants them to. Now we're having fun. Now we're doing it right. Dr. Luke was probably doing it too. He's probably banging the the female members. Um, In January, 1989, at the height of its recruitment, the Order of the Solar Temple still does not have even 500 members. They never were huge. They peak at 442 diehard inner circle members. Only 16 of those from the United States and only 86 of those were from Canada. So their North American expansion plans are not exactly working out like they wanted to, Uh, which I get because the times are changing, you know? It's almost, it's almost the 90s. It's not, it's not the 70s anymore. It's getting harder con- to convince people that you're the reincarnation of Osiris and Jesus and the rightful leader of the Knights Templar and the world is en- going to end soon. And if you're a female member, he's going to have to fuck you. And you can't, uh, you can guarantee someone's survival only if they give you enough money. Uh, and they learn the right chance and complete and complete the right rituals and listen to a lot of babble. Uh, the cult is making money, but not a lot of money. Money's dwindling, slowing down. It's not enough for them to uh, to keep opening new clubs and uh, to keep buying new farms to prepare for the apocalypse. And, and, and then their money problems get a lot worse in 1990. In 1990, Joseph DiMombro's son, Ali, rats out his dad. <laughs> a lot of members leave when they find out that Joseph is not really conversing with ancient masters. It's all one big magic trick. Yep, uh, Ali finds this out and t- tells everybody and again, really wish I knew how it all worked. But Tony uh, Dutrois, DeMambro's longtime technical assistant, is the only one who really knew how the special effects thing worked. And he would not survive the wave of suicide murders a few uh, murders a few years later. So we can't ask him. Uh, in 1991, facing continuing dwindling membership when when new clubs are not being built, excuse me, club members are, are uh, they've given loads and loads of money for these new clubs that are not being built. Joseph now starts to focus more and more of his doctrine on the end times. Which isn't that usually how it goes, right? Like like when the cult times start to get tough, when it looks like the party may end in a few years, that's when the leader conveniently decides, ah, it's time to check out, time to end things. According to the testimony of former members, Joseph began to focus on the theme of transit around 1991. By transit, he meant a voluntary departure or a consent to bring the germ of life to another planet. Very heavens gaity. Uh, it was necessary to be to be ready to leave earth at any time in response to his call got to keep his remaining members too scared to leave got to let you know got to get them thinking that it's right around the corner any any day now uh, we're going to have to leave in 1991 Demandro said he did not know what the mode of transit would be or exactly when he pre- he presented the metaphor of a passage across a mirror god dude loves mirrors and evoked the possibility of the coming of a flying saucer flying saucer might take people to another world uh, an ex member would later say DeMombro explained to us that one day we'd all be called to a meeting at which a transit would be accomplished. It had to do with a mission, with a departure towards Jupiter. <laughs> he said his listeners, he said to his listeners that they had to be on call twenty four hours a day so as not to miss the departure, and that once the order was given, we would have to move quickly. MacMan, like, think of the reality of all this. Grown ass adults, hundreds of them, wearing robes, waving swords and lairs full of fucking mirrors and candles, people who believe that they're the reincarnation of John the Baptist or Alexander the Great. And they're having serious conversations about an upcoming departure to Jupiter, and they got to be ready at all times. <laughs> that, that's their actual lives. Then in 1992 and 93, a bunch of members leave. Uh, you know, the the mirror, or the excuse me, the hologram debacle cost them a lot of members, and now many more are leaving when they find out the donations given to the group have not been going to the new uh, opening up new uh, like uh, compounds. They've been they've been going to financing lavish homes for Joseph and Luke. Uh, whoops, you know, world's going to end soon. Might as as well uh, spend some time in the hot tub or in the pool behind my mansion before we bounce. Also in the early 90s, Joseph is becoming less fun to be around. The stress of dwindling memberships, his son's betrayal about his magic show, it's all weighing on him. He's becoming more and more authoritarian. In the early years, he was loosey-goosey. He helped out with communal living chores. He, He didn't project an air of, you know, pretentiousness. Now he's not doing the chores. Now he's cranky pants. Now he's, you know, he's better than everybody else. When speaking to the police, a Canadian member who broke from the solar temple in 1993 summarized the feelings of many defectors around this time saying, I did not feel that the people were living what they preached and I was tired of the infighting and never been able to find out what was going on. So I love love that. Never been able to find out what was going on. Yeah, exactly. I have gone over these notes so many times uh, and it's, yeah, it's fucking, he was just talking, it's like David Icke, crazy talk, constantly, constant new crazy talk. Constantly changing mythology. Uh, I can't believe anyone stayed after the magic show reveal, right? How do you explain that uh, as the leader? <laughs> hey, ha. Oh, hey guys. Uh, I know you know about the magic show now, but listen up. I know you're mad, but here's the deal. The real version of the ancient masters you thought you saw are real. I, I promise temp- Templar's honor. Templar's honor. They do talk to me. They They told me to use fake versions of them to find out who the real believers are, okay? Listen, any old asshole is going to join up if they actually see the spirit of a Templar knight, obviously. But only a chosen few will still join if they know that that was fake. And only the true inner circle will stay once the fake Templars have been (laughs) revealed. Do you you understand now? I mean, you still believe I'm new Jesus, right? You still believe I'm Osiris, right? You you still believe I got to fuck you to gather the strength to give the messages? The rules haven't changed. Look, I can only relay important messages if I get a blowjob, and I can only share the most important secrets if I get a threesome with a lot of oil and toys. Wet rock hard secrets. You still understand that, right? No? Fuck. Okay, let me just keep talking in circles. Let me use some more references. Let me get some more crystals. Let me me spin some more amulets around. Let me reference some more ancient texts until you don't know what's real anymore. Rumors about embezzlement, various other financial manipulations, shady wheelings and dealings also spread throughout the group in 1993, costing more memberships. To make matters worse, Dr. Luke gets into some legal trouble at this time, gets in trouble with Canadian law enforcement after he, uh, he gets caught encouraging other cult members to buy some illegal guns. The police were investigating anonymous threats from an unknown terrorist group at the time, and then they were tipped off by an informer about an attempt to buy some guns by some uh, OTS members. They wanted three guns with silencers. So then they start watching the group. Uh, members get arrested in March 1993. The Canadian media reports the story. Right, that doesn't help with recruitment. Um, this gives the OTS, you know, more unwanted publicity. And uh, and Dr. Luke, you know, he gets uh, he gets a sentence of one year of unsupervised probation and a fine of one thousand Canadian dollars for buying prohibited arms. Uh, as the membership continues to dwindle, the end times talk continues to heat up. A series of five of Joseph's messages are delivered under the title "The Pole Star." Supposedly given to Joseph uh, by the Lady of Heaven (laughs) between December 24th, 1993 and January 17th, 1994. They're in their final months now. This first message calls in the recipients to root out their terrestrial attraction and talks about Jupiter as the next home. The second message extorts them to put their things in order to leave Earth free and clear. Uh, Their third message declares, we want you free to rejoin us without feeling constrained, without feeling pressure." but of your own free will. And it warns, if you do not try your hardest to escape the attraction of this earth, woe is you. The fourth message repeats, it is now time to leave humanity to its deadly destiny. You are done with it. Don't look in the world for whomever or whatever to save. Close the door on humans. Uh, The fifth message announces in a solemn tone, no light will stay on earth. Retire. Let go of this earth without remorse. So he's, fuck, it's doomsday all the way now, baby. Uh, Here's some more of their passage teachings. The idea of the passage from one world to another might worry some of you. I assure you that you are going towards a marvelous world, which could not be in any case any worse than the one you are leaving. Know from now on that after the passage, you will have a body of glory, but you will still be recognizable. You will no longer need to eat, but if you want to eat, you will be able to do it without earning your bread with the sweat of your brow. Your eternal body will be subject neither to aging nor to pain nor to sickness. Best suicide sales pitch ever. You're not killing yourself. You're fucking leveling up, right? You're transitioning to a new, better, immortal form where you get to look like you but like a better you. And you can eat but don't have to, right? No more eating means no more shitting. No more work or pain or aging. Oh, man, get ready. This next magic trick, this is going to be the real fucking deal. No more holograms. Uh, according to Joseph's ever evolving solar temple beliefs, the departure is now possible because on January 6, 1994, the mysterious elder brothers of the Rosy Cross affected their transit for an elsewhere, capitalized, for an elsewhere that only the initiates know and serve, right? They, they fucking bounce. The ancient masters are bouncing out to Jupiter. Joseph thankfully knows how to get there. Um, they're going to take off towards superior dimensions. It's going to be great. Uh, Joseph wrote, take the place of the elder brothers on Venus so that on Jupiter we will be reunited. What? (laughs) They will proceed to make room for us, show us the way, and we will follow them. A lot of weird space talk now. Uh, 1994, Joseph desired to depart intensifies. He's probably got like, you know, one lady fucking him now before meetings. It's getting real slim pickings. It's probably the least attractive lady. Probably the one who knew the holograms were fake from the beginning but just wanted to fuck him. This isn't working. On an audio cassette from the spring of 1994, Demombro is heard saying, we are rejected by the whole world. First by the people. Uh, The people can no longer withstand us and our earth. Fortunately, she rejects us. How would we leave otherwise? We also reject this planet. We wait for the day we can leave. Life for me is intolerable. Intolerable, I can't go on. So think about the dynamic that will get us to elsewhere. Man, he's ready to go. If I can't have a cult on this planet, I'm taking my fucking cult to Jupiter. (laughs) Things aren't going well for Dr. Lurk in early 1994 either. An investigation into his finances quickly becomes global. A lot of shady wheelings and dealings. By 19, by early 1994, the Australian Federal Police, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and the French Sûreté are all closing in on him to convict him for some some bad stuff. It's going to put him away for a long time related to uh, embezzlement type stuff. Um, the French consulate in Montreal also is becoming suspicious of the Demambros in early 1994. Right. He's still married, still married after convincing his wife that he's to fuck other cult members uh, <laughs> to have the strength to conjure up masters that are not real. Uh, in March of 1994, the French Ministry of Foreign Affairs asked the Ministry of the Interior to advise whether it should extend his wife Jocelyn's passport as the family was unable to provide proof of their residence in Canada and had changed their residence in Canada five times in five years. Even stranger, Joseph de Mombro had obtained no less than five passports in seven years. And his visas showed he had made numerous short international, unexplained trips to uh, various countries, including uh, several to Malaysia. A lot, like like they're hiding money, they're doing all kinds of weird behind-the-scenes stuff. By October of 1994, it looks like the Demombros are about to get kicked out of Canada, right? Kicked out of where their headquarters is, or yeah, where their headquarters. Uh, the French embassy extends Jocelyn's passport, but only for three months while they continue to investigate them. Joseph is now feeling persecuted. He he is really focusing on a passage to another world. Uh, Joseph wrote the following message to Jocelyn, found later on a cold computer, which uh, shows his level of paranoia now. We don't know when they might close the trap on us. A few days, a few weeks, we are being followed and spied upon in our every move. All the cars are equipped with tracing and listening devices. All of their most sophisticated techniques are being used on us while in the house. Beware of surveillance cameras, lasers, and infrared Our file is the hottest on the planet, the most important of the last 10 years, if not the century. However that may be, as it turns out, the concentration of hate against us will only give us enough energy to leave. Fuck, I love the delusion revealed in this message. Their file is the hottest on the planet. No one's more important than them, and everyone's out to get them. Everyone else is just a background actor, and these background actors are trying to fuck up their Jupiter trip, and they got their infrared lasers beamed on them. Uh, The group is in its final days now. Joseph drafts their goodbye letter. Uh, Here is what it says. We address this final message to all those who can still understand the voice of wisdom. The chaos of this world inescapably leads humanity toward the failure of its destiny. Throughout time, cycles have followed one another according to precise rhythms and laws. Various societies have disappeared in destructive but regenerative disasters. None has fallen to our civilization's level of decadence. I don't fucking know history very well. It's a lot more decadent back in Rome. It cannot escape sudden self-destruction, subject as it is to devastating individual and collective egocentricity, and in its total ignorance of the laws of spirit and life. Since the beginning of time, philosophers, prophets, and avatars have come in succession. Avatars? I don't know. To help mankind take its place as creator. Its refusal every time to see and hear has caused the plans of the cosmic evolution to go astray. We, servants of the Rose and Cross, possess an ancient and authentic wisdom. Uh, They fucking, they caught you with the holograms. You remember that, right? And affirm that we have worked since the beginning of time for the evolution of awareness. Philosophies, sciences, and sacred shrines and temples remain as living witnesses. These beings devise their plan of action in the crypts and sanctuaries of the Order, following strict guidelines. The result is secret, so many secrets from the profane world but well known to the initiate. We servants of the Rose plus Cross declare that from all eternity the universal solar temple has shown itself among men according to cycles of activity and dormancy. It's just it's just borderline gibberish. After the solemn opening of the gates on March 21st, 1981 in Geneva at the sanctuary of its secret lodge, a former domain of the Order of Malta, its last Overt activity will last 11 years. During this cycle, the Holy Grail, Excalibur, the seven-branched candlestick, and the Ark of the Covenant are revealed to living witnesses. The, la- <laughs> the last faithful servants of the eternal rose plus cross after this, after, these, wait, after this, the lies and libels, all the betrayals, the scandal carefully orchestrated by the powers that be, everyone's out to get them, may uh, have sounded the death knell for the last attempt to regenerate the plans of awareness. Those who have breached our code of honor are traitors. They will suffer the punishment they deserve for ages of ages. Everything happens according to the dictates of justice. We affirm that we execute justice according to the commands of a higher order. In view of the present unchangeable situation, we, servants of the Rose and Cross, forcibly reaffirm that we are not of this world and are perfectly aware of the coordinates of our origin and our future. With no wish to start an empty polemic, we proclaim that the great white lodge of Sirius has decreed the recall of the last to carry the authentic ancestral wisdom. A just sentence will be executed according to the guidelines of a universal superior order with the full rigor of the law. God damn it, I hope my neighbors can hear me. They have to think we have a cult now, right? They have to think it. Uh, Yeah, they're out of here. They know exactly where they're going, and you people reading this note, well, get ready to get fucked, okay? Get ready for the shitstorm, motherfucker. We're beaming towards Jupiter. We're following the Sirius star. We got a fucking Ark of the Covenant. We got some candle or some shit. And you're going to suck Satan's dick here on Earth. So, ha-ha, ta-da, motherfucker. Oh, my God. (laughs) On October 4th, 1994, the end begins with murder. Uh, This part, not funny. The dead bodies of two cult members and their baby are found in Marin Heights, Quebec, uh, they'd actually been killed five days earlier. On September 30th, Colette and Jerry Janelle, uh, members of the Solar Temple, invite Tony Dutois and his wife, Nikki Robinson Dutois, two other members, over for dinner. Mr. Dutois, he was the guy, remember, in charge of special lighting and special effects that made the uh, hologram thing happen. Uh, Tony had just recently spoken out against the group. Uh, and even worse, he had given his baby the wrong name. Yeah, for real. Joseph DiMombro had not authorized the pregnancy which he had been doing the past few years for members. He decided when female members got pregnant, probably largely with him, he decided what their babies are going to be named. And when the ditoises, uh they have their boy without, you know, his approval, and they name the boy Christopher Emmanuel, Joseph is outraged because he has a daughter named Emmanuel who's supposedly the cosmic child. That's what he called her. Not cool. Not cool. So to punish the couple, he has other members, uh, convinces them that the baby is the Antichrist and has to be taken care of. And he, and he has uh, the Genois Gen- kill this baby ritually, puts a wooden dagger through the baby's heart in this, in this uh, f- like murder that involves all these specific steps. Uh, they believe two ni- Templar knights had to run the stake through the baby's heart in a very specific way to kill the Antichrist. I mean, holy fuck, you are all in on the cult when you r- run a wooden dagger through a baby's chest. Tony and his wife also stabbed to death, hopefully for their sake, before they had to watch their baby get stabbed. Uh, the Genoise flee to Switzerland after the murders, but not before trying to burn down the apartment to destroy evidence of what they've done. Uh, they'll die uh, the night after the three bodies are discovered later in the group's big earthly departure, which is late on October 4th, a little before midnight. Residents of the small Swiss village of uh, Ch- Sori noticed that a fire started at the La Charette farm in the heights around the village, a farm owned by the temple. On Wednesday, October 5th, around 3 a.m., three chalets were in flames at another place in Switzerland, uh, Savon. 23 corpses are discovered at Cherie. Uh, another 25 are found in Salvan, including the Dimambros and Dr. Luke. Even Joseph's grown son, Ali, the one who ratted out his father for the holograms, was found there. Dad obviously talked him into sticking around. On uh, Cherie, most of the victims had apparently been called to a meeting on Sunday, were probably already dead by Monday, October 3rd. Total of 65 bullets is found in their heads. Most of the victims had absorbed a strong sleeping pill before being shot. No firearms were used in Sivan. That's where the, uh, the core members lived. They'd all been injected with a poisonous substance provided by Dr. Luke uh, who'd injected himself as well. Some of the 48 uh, victims who died in the two mass departures were clearly murdered uh, while others submitted to execution voluntarily. Uh, however, even if their deaths were technically assassinations, bullets in the head, we'll never know with absolute certainty how many victims volunteered, I guess, for that violent departure or how many realized beforehand that the fabulous voyage to another planet was going to have such a brutal beginning. Uh, despite the deaths of the entire inner circle of the cult, the order is still not done. There are still a few living members left in Switzerland, France, Canada, even Spain. Uh, more uh, would, would soon decide to depart Earth. Over a year later, late in the evening of December 15th, 1995, 16 more members would die. Uh, December 23rd, uh, their bodies were discovered in a star-shaped formation in the mountains of France. Found later that two of them shot the others and then committed suicide by shooting themselves. One of the dead included French Olympian Edith Banlou, an Alpine skier who competed in the women's downhills, 1956 Olympics. Then in 1997, five more died in Canada. On the morning of March 23rd, five temple members took their own lives in Saint-Casimir in Quebec, right after setting their home on fire, leaving behind five charred bodies for the police to pull from the rubble. A total of 69 members left the earth via ritualized departures, and another three, the Dutois were murdered. Some sources say 74 died, but when you add up the official reports of their deaths, you keep coming up with 72. Uh, And I I believe that number. And still the cult not entirely done. It finally died, at least as far as we know, in 1999 when its final leader, a new leader, Michel uh, Tabashenik, a Swiss music conductor and composer, was arrested in Quebec. He was indicted for participation in a criminal organization and charged with murder. He came to trial in Grenoble, France, uh, France during the spring of 2001 ended up getting acquitted. French prosecutors appealed the verdict, and then an appellate court ordered a second trial. It began October 24, 2006, and then he was uh, cleared again in December 2006. Uh, this guy was the chief conductor of the Brussels Philharmonic from 2007 to 2015. How weird is that? He segued right into being this uh, conductor of this big Philharmonic. Then he retired, and uh, from everything I can tell, he's still alive. He's currently 76 years old, uh, believed to still be living in Brussels. Uh, as far as I know, he's not wearing a robe, holding a sword, or preparing to travel to Jupiter anymore. Uh, if another solar temple is still out there, uh, I don't know about it, but I'm sure we'll hear about it sooner or later. And that takes us out of today's Time stuff timeline. Good job, soldier. You've made it back. Barely. Uh, pretty crazy, right? Uh, what an interesting and complex belief system. If you're still confused about it, yeah, everybody is, including everyone who died in that cult. <laughs> the underlying message is it doesn't, it doesn't actually make sense. Uh, it sounds like a lot of work too, right? A lot, of, a lot of mythology to keep inventing. I guess I guess no crazier than Jim Jones, though. I mean, that guy started off as a Christian preacher with a civil rights and kind of uh, social, you know, uh, justice focus, and then transitioned his group into a quasi-Christian belief system where where he's God's new prophet. And gets people to live in a communist type compound. And then he transitions further into rejecting Christianity altogether and just being a straight up communist death cult. I guess at least uh, Joseph de Mauro stuck with his belief system, uh, you know, being tied to the Knights Templars uh, until the very end. You know, Dr. Luke, he, he stuck with his homeopathic beliefs until the end. They were, they were consistent in their complications. Uh, now, before we wrap up, let's see what the idiots of the internet have to say about them. Of the, Internet. 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 the video I watched today is the Order of the Solar Temple 50-minute documentary. It has 283,637 views, published on September 17th, 2014 by user Captain Marginal. And underneath this video, Jay McAdam posts, Have to say I like the outfits. If you're going to join a death cult, you might as well have great cloaks. It's a solid point. Uh, they had no shortage of pomp and circumstance, right? I, I mocked the robes, but cooler to be in a cult with robes and swords and going through you know rituals in a fancy mirrored lair, you know, than it would be to be in a cult where the leaders wear like jean cargo shorts, hold sparklers, instead of gathering in a lair, everybody just stands in a, in an above ground pool behind some fucking trailer. <laughs> that'll be that'll be harder to feel good about being in that cult. Uh, Barnaby Robert replies, but white. Think of the dry cleaning bills. Another good point. I feel like you might want to go with dark robes if you're firing up a cult. You know, you don't want to be wasting money on dry cleaning when you could be using that money to to buy, you know, drugs to spike members' drinks with. Um, William Belende cracks me up posting, Canada, Brian Adams, summer of 69. 69 deaths. Coincidence? I think not. All right. I mean, to be fair, you know, that song that came out in 1984, so they would have been likely very familiar with it, uh, yes, yeah, 69 people did formally transit. You know, the other three were murdered. Uh, did Brian Adams predict the solar temple cult and its demise? Well, Jay McEnem, you hear from him again. He replies, summer, solar, wow. You must be right. I think maybe he did predict it. I mean, if you listen to the lyrics real hard, you know, I got my first real six string, bought it at the five and dime, played it till my fingers bled was the summer of 69 me and some guys from school formed a cold and we tried real hard jupiter the nice temple i should have known we'd always depart oh when i look back now i should have worked harder on my holograms and if i had the choice yeah i'd never tell my son shit those were the best days of my life i mean that's 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 one version that I found somewhere that I'm not going to tell you about. Uh, Jarl Moore posts, brave ones are gone. Cowards are left to tell their stories. Uh, That's one way to look at it. Uh, Are you in a doomsday cult, Jarl? Are you preparing to exit? Are you preparing to be brave? Uh, Covina White replies with, or the crazy ones are gone and the more rational ones scared to die lived because they had some reasonable doubts. I I like you, Covino. Uh, Yeah, I agree. The ones who left and... uh, (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, like to play. uh, Yeah. The ones who left probably a little crazier than the ones who stayed, who just wanted to wear robes and play with swords and shit, but weren't quite ready to, to travel to Jupiter. Um, Michael Skinner posts, these, this now, now that we get to the good stuff, Michael Skinner posts, these people were murdered by real Satanists that run the secret societies they were trying to emulate and compete with the Knights Templar and other secret orders do not mess around. Wow, man, you have uh, you have spent too much time on the dark side of the web, Mister Skinner. Is that this story isn't fucking crazy enough? You have to add that this cult was murdered by another more insane cult, by some real magic Knights Templar satanic cult. Because because what they came too close to discovering the real truth with their holograms and gibberish. Get out of here. That's nonsense. Uh, Gandalf the White. Takes it even to a more idiotic place. Goes, goes full, 100%. There is no hope for him, idiot. Replying with, Michael Skinner, Satanist? <laughs> LOL. No, it's the Jews. They pull all the strings. <laughs> I love it when someone mocks somebody for posting something outrageously stupid and then proceeds to uh, post something even more outrageously stupid. That's <laughs> not the Satanist Michael Skinner, you moron. Hello? It's the Jews. The Jews killed the Solar Temple members because, yeah, you know, because uh, they're they're Jews and they listen. They pull fucking strings and stuff. You guys, listen. I don't. I haven't looked into it further than that. I don't even. I don't really know what all that even means. I just know that my dad yells a lot of stuff when things aren't going right at work. Uh, Doctor Benway, MD, posts fucking idiots. LOL. Thank you, Doctor Benway. Uh, you get it. That that maybe best summarizes up the entire story of the Solar Temple cult. Fucking idiots, LOL. Um, Harriet Macy posts something that cracks me up, saying, uh, the people, the story, and religion are so incredibly boring, it's kind of hard to care. Uh, and then Jay McEnum again shows up replying, saying, eh, they're Swiss. Uh, <laughs> I just love that. Of course they're boring. They are Swiss. Uh, you know, and I'm sure there's plenty of very exciting Swiss people, but this cracked me up because if someone put a gun to my head and said, name the most boring country in the world, I'm not gonna lie, Switzerland would be in the running. I don't even know entirely why. Uh, I hear you, Harriet. Uh, their story did come across a little boring. Not a lot, a lot of juicy orgy details. A lot of rituals. A lot of secrets. Not enough stories about the fucking. Uh, Charlie Gumble posts, Damn cult leader killing kids. Disgusting and outmost criminal. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, thanks for reminding us that killing kids is not only disgusting, it's criminal. It's outmost criminal. Nothing gets by you. That's what I like about you. Nothing gets by you. Uh, finally, user3smp posts, Something that caused me to do a little extra digging. Uh, This user posts, for anyone who is interested in cults, I wanted to report that I just participated in the Hatchet Job report by Inside Edition for the 20th anniversary. They added a lie to the story by combining some other report of finding a room with a blood-soaked carpet in the mansion that never happened. There were no reports of blood anywhere. But now that they're saying it, it will be added to the brains of all those who don't know better. That is why, this is the way it works and has worked before. And the reason most of today's Christians know next to nothing about the real Jesus They also took one tiny clip from the hour-long interview they did with me and used it completely out of context to push forward their own agenda. However, I also videoed the interview, which I posted on my channel in two parts for anyone who really wants to see what I had to say. It's a new day for revealing of the truth, and it's accompanying the many signs in the sun, moon, stars that are never reported in the mainstream media or its offshoots. One can get info on these signs on YouTube, and you can see many of the pics of my broadcasts. I go by the name Sawyer, seen on this documentary as well. Okay, so who's this story? I, I looked into it. Turns out he did speak to Inside Edition. They interviewed him about his membership in Heaven's Gate. This dude was a member of Heaven's Gate for 18 years, left in 1994, three years before they left Earth in 1997, and now is weirdly back in the cult after the cultists left. <laughs> He's one of maybe three members left. There's two members who stayed behind to run the the heavensgate.com website, that's the website I emailed back during that suck. And they, they actually got back to me, told me not to commit suicide because, you know, you, you can't get to the spaceship anymore. Um, And and but this guy who may be one of the two, maybe is a third, uh, still waiting to hear back from Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie. Like he's still in the cult. He's still defending them. Uh, he still believes their messages. He, he And now he's watching the moon, stars and sun for new messages from fucking dough and tea and ah. I've read a long-winded blog post of his where he defends, you know, cults' rights to religious freedoms. No, fu- no, dude, no. Advocation of suicide, too far. Murder, too far. Putting a wooden stake in a baby's heart, too far. Be free to believe whatever you want to believe. But if that belief brings kids into it and that belief involves, you know, the planning of a mass suicide to make it to a spaceship, fuck you and your beliefs. Your beliefs are now too fucked up for you to be a parent. Uh, you're you're going to continue to believe in something like that. Your kids should be taken away from you. Uh, let it go, Sawyer. They're not coming back. There's no more messages. It was all nonsense. Uh, you know, the only messages being given now are, are those whipped up by other idiots of the internet. Idiots of the internet. 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 All right. So final thoughts. It's always basically the same story with these cults, right? They sell the same message that, you know, major religions push often in some form that the world is terrible, that everything's falling apart and that they have the solution to make everything better, right? It's going They're going to make it the best it's ever been, but you got to listen to them. Don't despair. you know. Stick with us, kid. Sell your shit. Come live on the compound. We'll have you walk in the spiritual high road in no time, and it's no accident that we've met. No, we've been looking for you specifically. You are one of God's chosen few, right? It was your destiny to be found. Together with your new fearless leader, you're going to await God's imminent return. Hell, you might even just travel around the space looking for God. Everyone else is fucked, but you get to be part of the big transformation that includes immortality and eternal bliss. And don't freak out. Uh, before we go find God, probably going to need to fuck your wife. Uh, don't fall for the shit time suckers. If God does exist, no one knows what God thinks. Not in any specific terms, you know, uh, You know. not in any like terms like where you got to leave your family and come live with us on a compound, right? These guys dress their messages up in a lot of different ways, but the result's always the same. You, you get fucked. You know, sometimes you just get fucked financially. Sometimes your wife gets literally fucked. Other times you get literally fucked. And sometimes your life gets fucked over, right? You, you, you be part of some weird mass suicide. To, to leave such a horrible place, Like, really? is it really that bad? I don't think so. We talk a lot about a lot of dark subjects here on TimeSite, but the world has a lot of good in it. Um, I, I got a nice example of this just the other day. Lindsay and I had a little health scare with my son, Kyler, on the way back from Panama. We had an awesome family vacation. He went to go use the bathroom in the middle of a four hour flight on Delta from uh, Panama City to Atlanta. And he started to pass out. And this has never happened before. The color left his face. Flight attendant runs back to me. Uh, I was actually working on this script, had my headphones on. You know, I get, uh, throw my headphones off, like, what's going on? Tells us to come back, race back. I had to grab him. He's like, about to fall over, carry him to a row of seats where they cleared to lay him down. He's, he's super sweaty, feels like he's burning up. It's fucking terrifying. Lame down, put his head in my lap. You know, I, I talk to him, trying to tell him to stay calm. Uh, another guy, stranger, elevates his feet. Uh, the instructions of this uh, doctor who joined up. Within 30 seconds, there was two doctors, a trauma surgeon named Jr. and another pediatrician are standing there. Uh, within a minute, two nurses are also there. Uh, two flight attendants are bringing him water and orange juice. So when I talk about diabetes in my family and how I have my own blood sugar issues, a stranger gives him some candy. The surgeon JR takes his pulse, asks a lot of questions. Uh, he gets you know drinks the orange juice, nibbles on some chocolate, pounds water. While I kind of just you know rub my hands through his hair and keep him calm. Uh, you know, you know it was so weird, was like he's like my little toddler again instead of some big thirteen year old. Seems so helpless. Uh, Lindsay gets medical information, gives that to another flight attendant who's talking about bringing this oxygen. Thankfully, he starts to feel better. Turns out he had just gotten really dehydrated. We went snorkeling the day before. He didn't drink enough water. Been out in the hot sun too much. He'd had too many carbs, too much sugar, not enough protein. Slowly became himself again. Drank a liter of water in about three minutes. Uh, Delta arranged for a wheelchair to bring him to the next gate, gave him more water. Uh, They gave miles. They handed out a bunch of free miles to everyone who would help, the nurses and the doctors. When we landed and the plane emptied, I would say a good half of the people on this full flight asked if he was okay. Stopped and asked if he was okay on the way out. Uh, the doctor, Jr., got my number. We texted throughout the rest of the day. He was constantly checking in. Is he okay? Have you made it home safe? Uh, he wants to know what the pediatrician uh, pediatrician has to say when we take him in. Uh, I got Kyler, by the way, two Five Guys burgers once we landed. More water. He was himself by the by the time we flew home. I also thought I might tear up when we got off that plane, man. All these strangers, different ages, you know, different, uh, different races, different uh, looks. I'm sure there was conservatives, liberals, whatever. All just genuinely concerned about the health of a boy they didn't know. They had never even met. Despite all the darkness we cover here on The Suck, uh, never forget, there's a lot of fucking good in this world, never a good idea to check out. And Kyler is fine, by the way. Uh, He's all good harassing his sister again. And it's time now for Top 5 Takeaways. Time, Suck, Top 5 Takeaways. Number one, the order of the solar temple was the brainchild of longtime Rosicrucian Joseph DiMombro and new age homeopathic Dr. Luke Jure. It was based in a belief that they were the continuation of the Knights Templar Catholic medieval military order and a belief that the Knights Templar knew a bunch of magical Rosicrucian secrets that, that no one else knew. Um, right? So many secrets. Number two, Rosicrucianism is based on occultism, hermeticism, and Christian Gnosticism. Basically, a belief that a small group of people have known about powerful secret magical items and rituals for a long time. They're the Illuminati. Uh, number three, Dr. Luke Jure and Joseph de Mombro worked together to build their cult. Luke hit the uh, New Age lecture circuit looking for people interested in healthy communal living with an emphasis on soul-body connection. And then Joseph de lured them into becoming full cult members by guiding uh, them through elaborate rituals in a special mirrored chamber where ancient masters would show up via hologram. Uh, How did he convince Tony Dutrois, the guy who ran the show, to still be in the cult, by the way? How did he convince some people to stay when he found out he tricked them? Dude was a fast talker, man. His mumbo-jumbo game was real strong. Number four, the majority of members of the Solar Temple would die in a series of mass suicides and murders in Quebec, Canada, France, and Switzerland, beginning in 1994, ending in 1997. 72 would die, at least three were murdered, and a small unknown number of believers would continue to think Joseph, Dr. Luke, and others had made it to Jupiter and beyond. Living out in space somewhere with other knights, Templar spirit, people, things. Number five, new info. In addition to getting in trouble with with the law in France early in his life in 1972 for writing bad checks, doing some swindling. Uh, Joseph DiMombro, before he started his cult, got in trouble for also uh, for pretending to be a psychologist. Of course he did. He was a con man. He got caught working as a psychologist, even though he had no psychological training whatsoever. He forged a degree, hung it on the wall, and started taking patients. Uh, I wonder if getting people to confide in him and share their darkest secrets helped him manipulate future cult members. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I think Joseph both believed his bullshit and consciously manipulated his followers. Time Suck Top 5 Takeaways. The Order of the Solar Temple has been sucked. Oh, what do you think about that, Baby Secret? Okay, whatever whatever she said. Uh, thanks to the Time Suck team. You can check, you can see uh, Baby Secret on YouTube, by the way. Uh, thanks to the Queen of the Suck, Lindsey Cummins, High Priest of the Suck, Harmony Bella Camp, Jesse and Guardian of Grammar, Dobner, Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley. Time yeah, time suck so high priest Alex Dugan. The guys at Bidelix or Danger Brain and Access Apparel. Thanks to the Lily twins, Reba and Sarah, hammers of knowledge for helping me get started and understand who these assholes were and what they were about. Their notes cracked me up. There were a lot of stuff of like, yeah, this shit's weird. Uh thanks for including a lot of sources that you had access to that I would not through using your various online university uh databases. Next week we're going back to Russia for our third Russian serial killer. First, Chikatilo, right? What is big deal? Chikatilo is big deal. Uh, he's still favorite. I, I'm not threatened by new guys, but it counts maybe harder, but I still have softest uh, shame I uh, still wrestle hardest. Uh, there was Alexander Pashushkin, the chessboard killer. And now we have Space Lizard vote winner Mikhail Popkov, the werewolf. Former Siberian police junior lieutenant sentenced to life in prison in 2015 for raping and killing 22 Russian women. Soon after the first verdict, a new investigation began on 56 more incidents of rape and homicide. Uh, Popkov's victims were aged between 18 and 50. Uh, largely, he said he sentenced them to death uh, as soon as they agreed to share a drink with him. That's what state prosecutor Alexander uh, shinakov uh, said. He was sentenced on the additional murders and given a redundant second life sentence. Uh, they've mellowed over there since the days of Chikatilo. No more bullets to the back of the skull. So find out how one man was able to kill so many and and we'll head over to Siberia. right? Feel better about where you live. We'll probably talk about how Siberia is largely a shithole. Uh, It's a place I feel very confident making fun of since I'm guessing, I don't know, what we got, two, three Siberian listeners? Uh, Yeah, so that's 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 what's happening next week on Time Soak. Right now, I need to share the messages of some various fabulous meat sacks on today's Time Sucker Updates. Updates? Get your Time Sucker Updates. Got the most messages we've ever received regarding the same subject this past week. A Jack the Ripper update. Michael Glass, one of many who sent me a link uh, to a CBS News story, Jack the Ripper identity. Aaron Kopsminsky, uh, named as notorious serial killer by forensic scientist CBS News. He wrote, well, 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 might we have an answer here, Suckmaster? And here's the most important info from the update. We may. Uh, Excuse me. Genetic tests published last week in the Journal of Forensic Sciences point to Aaron Kopsminsky's Um, A 23-year-old Polish barber and prime police suspect at the time of the Jack the Ripper killings. Uh, Kaminsky has – it's weird. His name is spelled sometimes with a P, sometimes without, and this is from CBS. Um, Kaminsky has previously been named as the possible suspect, suspect, but this is the first time that supporting DNA evidence has been published in a peer-reviewed journal, according to science. Um the results come from a forensic examination of a stained silk shawl that investigators said was found next to a mutilated body of Catherine Adoz, the killer's fourth victim, whose badly mutilated body was found september thirtieth, eighteen eighty eight. Shawl is stained with what is claimed to be blood and semen, the latter thought by some to have belonged to the killer. Researchers compared fragments of mitochondrial DNA, which is passed down solely from one's mother, received from the shawl with samples taken from living descendants of Adalus and Kasminsky. Uh, to one of Kazminsky's living descendants. Of, on the testing, the first result showed a 99.2% match. Since the DNA has two complementary strands, we went on and tested the other DNA strand, which had a perfect 100% match. Um, Kaminsky died in an asylum in 1919. Case notes indicate he had been ill since at least 1885. His insanity took the form of auditory hallucinations. A paranoid fear of being f- uh, fed by other people that drove him to pick up and eat food dropped his litter a refusal to wash or bathe. The cause of his insanity was reported as self-abuse, which is thought to be a euphemism uh, for masturbation. His poor diet seems to have kept him in an emaciated state for years. His low weight was recorded in the asylum case notes. By February 1919, he weighed just 96 pounds. And then he died when he was, uh, yeah, the following month when he was 53. Now, it's not 100% proof. A match in this sense doesn't mean that the blood comparisons taken from relatives is the only match that could turn up. Uh, they tested microchondrial DNA, and many people have uh, indicated that uh, microchondrial—my micro, my, yeah, my god, mitochondrial DNA, uh, that making the returns from the shawl less cut and dry than people think. Some people think that the shawl wasn't actually the crime scene. Uh, I think he did it because, I mean, he's Polish, which makes him far more likely to be a murderer. And uh, as we all know, as we all uh, you know listen to this podcast, we now understand the true nature of Polish people. And, of course, he ended up in an asylum— uh, 99% of people in old school asylums were actually Polish. Uh, that's another fact that I'm sure a lot of you guys know. The word asylum is a Polish word. It means house for especially intelligent Polish people. Uh, but seriously, I mean, who knows? It looks like this this could be the dude. Uh, at the very least, Vegas odds have to have him now as the favorite. So that is a very cool update. Second update uh, is from time sucker Jessica Casias, Casillas, who sent in messages before regarding some immigration difficulties encountered by her husband. Um, sorry, I'm read this message a few uh, weeks late. Jessica, she writes, "Hello, Master Father Sucker Queen of the Suck and Reverend Joe Paisley. I have an update regarding my husband's immigration process. And if you guys remember, this has been going on for quite some time. Like her husband's stuck in Mexico, away from her and her kids. We received an approval letter regarding Jack's pardon and managed to schedule another appointment in Juarez. His interview is scheduled for September 3rd. This interview will give us our answer on whether Jack will be able to finally come home or not. I hope you'll read this so the whole cult cult knows about this possible good news." And hope everyone will keep us in their thoughts in the coming months and possibly sacrifice a cocker or spaniel or two in the name of Nimrod in the hope that he's approved in his interview. Thank you again for all you have done and continue to do. I pray to Nimrod that you have fun on your cruise and that you don't puke. Hail Nimrod. Hail Master Sucker. Praise Bojangles and praise Lucifina. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't puke. I did have fun. And thanks for thinking of me when you have so much to deal with on your own plate, Jessica. Yes, positive thoughts for you on this upcoming reunion. I, I really hope you are reunited reunited soon, and you can put all this behind you, and that you and your husband can enjoy, you know, full citizenship together. Uh, please keep us posted. Hail Nimrod! Powerful, uh, positive thoughts, uh, send your way. I wish I could manifest them as powerfully as the uh, Knights Templar, but I don't. I don't. I don't have quite their confidence. But I do believe in that to a certain level. So I, I, will, I will push your way as best I can. Now, some good news for Time Sucker, uh, uh, Jaron uh, Isles. I'm guessing Jaron Isles. Uh, I like good news. Let's hear it. Uh, Jaron says, Good afternoon, Almighty Sucker. Not clever enough to think of funny nicknames. It's going to be kind of long, and I'm sorry, but my name is Jaron Isles. I'm a 21, I'm 21 years old, living in Georgia, and I've been listening to your comedy for about three years now. I'm currently a full time student in my last semester, actually, obtaining a degree. In nuclear engineering technology, fucking whatever, sounds dumb. I know, (laughs) sounds sounds super awesome. I also work uh, full-time doing residential construction, remodeling, and uh, pool structures, basically. I have to pay for my own college out of pocket because I still live with my parents and they make too much money for me to get financial aid, but because my mom has a lot of medical bills, they can't afford to pay for my college. So I work about 60 hours a week and my boss is awesome and subs me out jobs and just gives me the profits off of them to pay for school. That is awesome. The point of this message is to thank you because during all these long weeks and long hours, I've been listening to Time Suck and it keeps me going. And because of you helping me through all of this hard work, my college has paid off. Uh, I got a job at a nuclear site near me even before I finished school. Fuck yeah, man. And my girlfriend and I also just purchased our first home. And you're doing this shit at 21? Uh, So thank you for keeping me awake, entertained, and motivated. P.S. Listening to the sucks on the nuclear topics and Tesla made me laugh because I understood almost everything you talked about and stumbled about. (laughs) LOL. Yeah. And I was also born in the city of Point Huron, Michigan, where Thomas Edison lived. Well, congrats, Jaron. Half a few, man. And and I love seeing someone get the fruits of some hard labor. I love seeing a young man work his fucking ass off. I, I can't tell you how much I love that. Love hearing about people working really, really hard to get what they want out of life. If you're not getting what you want and you're not working hard, well, hopefully a story like this motivates you. Uh, working hard does not guarantee that you're going to get everything you've ever wanted, but it's certainly, uh, I I think increases the odds. You're going to get what you fucking need. Uh, believe that go get it. Hail Nimrod, man. Can't stress that enough, especially for younger listeners, man. If you you want nicer things in life, fucking work, work super fucking hard. Um, all right. Now an atheist versus Christian update from, uh, from Steve. I I I got a lot of these the past few weeks. Steve sent in the subject line of evolution does not lead to violence, motherfucker. Uh, You you have my attention. Dear Dan Cummins of House Time Suck, Master of Suckers, the Mushmouth Prophet of Nimrod, Poop Scooper, Bojangles, Captain Space Lizards, Raster of Chikatilo, Hurler of Spoons, and Holder of Far Too Many Titles. Yes. Sorry about the aggressive subject. I'm just hoping to get your attention. My name is Steve. I'm a longtime listener, recent Space Lizard. Love everything you're doing with Time Suck, especially the community you've built. It's rare to get people of different worldviews to come together and be able to share their thoughts respectfully. In that same spirit of open discourse, I'd like to air my grievances about a recent Time Sucker update. The gist of it was, learning evolution distances us from an all-powerful creator and causes us to not value human life. We were not created to be special, so we're just another animal. As an atheist, this kind of thinking really gets my zapples going. Father, mother, I'm so mad about this. Uh, Making matters worse, you seem to kind of, sort of, not really, but maybe a little bit agree. Well, okay, no, I did now, don't worry, I love and trust the cult of curious, so I'm keeping my apples under control, but it's clear to me that there's a misunderstanding about the situation, so here goes. First, as you even pointed out, evolution and God are not mutually exclusive. Many, I'd say, most theists accept evolution, and oddly enough, most people who accept evolution also believe in a creator. Hell, most scientists believe in a creator. Many scientists have gotten into the field as a way of learning how God works. If it created this wonderful existence, what's the harm in learning how it works? Wouldn't that give us greater insight in His divine nature? Second, why are we automatically not as special just because we're the product of natural processes? I think I'm pretty special. I bet you think you're pretty special, too. Yeah, I'm okay. I happen to agree. I think we're all pretty special, especially compared to like a mosquito. Fucking assholes. That's because I'm a member of the human species. I have a vested interest in the survival of this species. Aside from my opinion, there's the fact that we are the only animal capable of science, complex math, agriculture, medicine, and reading booty and juju. Nice. I say that's pretty damn special. Uh, mosquitoes, uh, your mosquitoes like sucking so much. Uh, how about you suck on that? Third, how does being created make us special? If there is a divine creator, then yeah, he created us and birds, fish, rocks, and asshole mosquitoes. If literally everything was created, it makes us specifically not special. Fourth, evolution is a fact. When people talk about the theory of evolution, they tend to get hung up on the word theory. In science, a theory is not a hunch. It's a detailed explanation of an observed phenomenon. What happens, how it happens, what it caused, co- uh, what caused it, Etc. To be labeled a scientific theory, it must be proven experimentally, reproducible, peer-reviewed, and several other things. When we talked evolution and talked about the theory of evolution by means of natural selection, um, evolution is the observed phenomenon. The theory is explaining, not the explanation. By the way, it has been observed. Just Google observed instances of uh, of speciation. It's a real thing that happens. Denying it is just willful ignorance. Anyways, sorry about this marathon of an email. I just decided to get this out there. Keep doing what you're doing. Most importantly, keep on sucking your loyal space leader, Steve. Well, thank you, Steve. I hear what you're saying. Believing in evolution does not necessarily mean you, you value human life less. I was just entertaining that possibility. And again, I would be interested in seeing the stats if they existed. And yes, I did entertain the possibility that evolutionists maybe value human life less because I'm a believer in evolution. and I question how much uh, value I place on the on human life in general some days but I shouldn't extrapolate and make similar assumptions about other uh, evolutionists. As far as your argument about not being special, if a creator created us along with fishes, rocks, birds, et cetera, that argument I actually don't agree with. I think, control your apples. If the creator explicitly said, hey, you are more special and it's your job to take care of lesser, not as special creatures I also created, then yes, in that belief system, human life would indeed be special and have more value. What I like about your message is that you clearly value human life a great deal, as did our religious message sender. You like uh, talking with people of other belief systems. Uh, I feel like this, uh, you know, uh, also kind of just shows that atheists and theists maybe aren't that different after all. Atheists aren't always, you know, flippantly taking human life because they don't believe in God, and theists aren't always there out there taking out uh, human life in the name of God. Most of us, whether we believe in God or not, do value human life. Uh, me, I think I just researched so many dirtbags. Sometimes I forget that most of us are pretty good creatures, and I like that I, I get reminded of how good we actually are, many of us uh, buy your messages. Now an update from teen time sucker, Quinn Murray, and thank you for that message. Dear Reverend Dr. Cummins Esquire, my name is Quinn Murray. I'm a 17-year-old sucker. I normally wouldn't do this, but I've been listening to your stand-up since I was in sixth grade, and you're someone I look up to a lot. Currently, I have been struggling through depression and anxiety due in large part to not fitting in at my high school. On a particularly bad day, I listened to the Kurt Cobain suck, and you called the suckers the cream of the goddamn crop. And I don't know why, but you telling me I belong somewhere really felt like you meant it. Thank you for reminding me I'm not alone and for, uh, for being my only company over the summer as I work in a cement yard often by myself. Keep up the great work. Respectfully, your faithful sucker, Quinn Murray. Love hearing this, Quinn. Uh, Sorry going through some rough times and fuck no, you're not alone. And fuck your high school. It, it's just part of your day for four years. It really isn't that long. I had way more fun in college than high school. I didn't have a lot of fun in high school often. I didn't really date in high school. Didn't have that much interest in hanging out with many other kids. Couldn't wait to get out. Made it out of my small town. I couldn't wait to leave. Uh, made it to a whole new world where I met like-minded people. Uh, you know, people I didn't know really existed until I got there and I had a great fucking time. There's a big world out there, man. So much bigger than your high school. There is a place for you uh, outside of the Cult of Curious. You have a place here too. So many places, man. If you can, I can't. Stress this enough. Travel when you graduate. If money's tight, take buses and stay in hostels. Uh, see some of the world. See as much of it as you can. Find a spot where it fucking resonates, where it feels right, where it feels like this is my tribe and figure out how to make your life there if at all possible and it probably is possible. Hail fucking Nimrod, dude. Uh, I love you, man. Finally, great update to leave on from Adam Selter, our Canadian meat sack, who has a little cancer fighter for his son and is currently beating me uh, in the world's annual father of the year competition. Adam writes, suck master general, sir. Please accept my apologies for not sending the letter sooner. However, there is something truly amazing that you need to know and I had to wait until I had the time to write you properly and give this the time and attention it deserves. You could also be a professional letter writer, by the way. Shortly after my first letter to you in our brief exchange and emails, Jacob was hospitalized and we had to spend almost the entirety of February in a hospital isolation room. Things have improved a few days ago. We were released from the hospital and are resting comfortably at home. Although that is not the part I'm writing to tell you. The part that you need to know is that on February 5th at about 2.30 a.m., as we always do, Jake and I were out for a drive and listening to Time Suck. We heard you read my letter. It never occurred to me that you would read my letter on the show, and I was flattered that you set aside time to do that. Thank you for that. Thank you again for the generous donation made to Cancer Research in our name. And thank you for the kind words you spoke in your comments. That was a really cool experience for me to hear you speaking directly to me after having spent such a long time listening to Time Suck. Here is the amazing part. At no time in my letter, which you read in the episode or in our emails back and forth that I mentioned to you that independent of time suck, a GoFundMe account had been created by some family and friends of ours to help us with mounting financial strains connected to Jake's illness. I didn't mention it to you because I did not and do not want to ever think that my letter to you was any kind of veiled attempt to promote the GoFundMe account or ask for a donation. It was not. The wild part is since you aired the episode, I have received several monetary donations, some named and some anonymous. By people I don't know, all stating they are time suckers and space lizards, and they heard my letter on your show and wanted to help. Sent uh, Some sent me emails, some left comments on the GoFundMe, but a dozen or more people, time suckers, all reached out. They took the initiative themselves to find us on GoFundMe, and zero prompting or assistance, and each made donations. Listening to Time Suckers taught me all about psychotic serial killers, shady political conspiracies, twisted social experiments, and questionable sexual customs. But now it has also taught me that there are good and decent people out there who will stop what they were doing wherever they are and put effort into finding a website and sending help to a random guy that they don't know and will never meet to solve a problem that they don't have. That is something truly amazing. And what is more, sir, and that is that in part, that is something you did. Those kind of sweet people you helped, uh, who helped me are your audience. They did that because of your show. Uh, that is the kind of people you have in your time sucker army. I was right then. You are having a huge effect in the lives of people you don't know in a place you've never been. That, I think, is something you should know and something you should be proud to be a part of. I certainly do. Leave nothing unsaid. Hail Nimrod, uh, Adam Seltzer, Random Canadian Meat Sack. Man, love, love, love this, Adam. Uh, more goodies are coming your way, by the way. Even more uh, unasked for help ha- has is is in the works. Cult of Cure is not done helping you. I am very proud of being part of this community. I want to help grow it further this year uh, and and other members uh, who have written in for help. And I haven't read your message. Please post it in the Cult of the Curious private Facebook group. Get it out to the the, the, the the crew that way. I'm already making these episodes probably too long, and there's just too many messages coming in for me to share them all. Uh, link to the Facebook Cult of the Curious group, by the way, in the episode description. Uh, glad Glad things are going better, Adam, for you and Jacob. Glad you got some help. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to take this further. Uh, hail Nimrod, everyone. Next time, suckers. I needed that. We all did. That's all for today, meat sacks. Hope you like the show. Uh, hope you like to learn some magical secrets. Have a great week. Don't move into Templar-based compounds or any other compounds this week where the leader has to fuck you to gain strength to teach you stuff. And keep on sucking. That's kind of a long episode, uh, Baby Secret. What do you think? You worn out? Did you just say kill the... Kill the... What? Something? Something about the devil? I speak for God? It sounded like you said, I speak for God. Your name sure is Baby Secret. Your name should be creepy as fuck. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support